plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are back. We are Cantrip Cartel. We're here to talk magic. Matt, how's it going? Not too bad. Um, Got off work early today. My wife's birthday was Monday. That's why we couldn't record. Okay. Yeah. We were recording a, a day late. And she wasn't feeling well on Monday. Now it makes and sense. And so we went out on Tuesday. Yes. Um, when you had told me that you couldn't record, what I heard was your wife didn't feel good on Monday, so we can't record. And I'm like, I guess, yes, Matt and his wife really hang out on Mondays and they no, missed no. out on it. No, you missed out on celebrating her birthday. Correct. So we were going to go celebrate on Monday. Yes. And we didn't. So we waited till Tuesday. Which, um, of course, on Monday, I got off at like two o'clock. Yep. Or I'm sorry, not on Tuesday, I got off at like two o'clock. Yeah. I, I, I figured you would. Yep. <laughs> that was inevitable. Yep. As soon so as I it's said, like, I, hey, I can't record today, it's like, well, you're off our work yep. early. I'll be home three hours early. Yeah. Um, but we went to a nice, uh, there's a new little Mexican restaurant. I don't think it's actually new for our town, but um, I think it's a, like a second one. Um, but it was pretty good. Uh, hadn't been there before. Um, so we went out, did that. We watched, oh, I think we watched the newest, newest episode of Last of Us. Mm-hmm. The last episode of Last of Us, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> they might go. Like I don't know. One, they can start writing an original story. Two, I don't know how the game legitimately ends. There could be more story, although mm-hmm. there's not much more to do. Um, or three, they could go into the second game. Yeah. Um, and then I've been playing Resident Evil Five, so you and I had started messing around with that a little bit. Uh, but I've just been kind of like. When it gets into the evening and I've kind of handled all my other shit, I'm like, I don't know what to do for the next like two hours before I go to bed or whatever. Yep. And so I just started playing Resident Evil 5 and just been killing shit on that. Went through. There's a bunch of stuff you can like unlock and whatnot. Um, there's this to get like costumes. You have to, you probably saw them, me shoot those blue emblems. There's, yeah. there's like 30 of them throughout the game. So I went and tracked all those down. <clears throat> You mean um, all those things that today are microtransactions correct. back in the day where you used to actually have gameplay to you'll get? Yeah. Same well, it's the it's the entire unlockables in that is so like every you I don't know if you noticed, but when we would beat a chapter, we would get like fifteen hundred points or a yes. thousand points. Those points you spend to unlock uh there's little figurines, there's a gallery, so you can basically it's rendered versions of all the models, so you can yep. look at those and like zoom in on them and stuff. Uh, there's characters for like a uh, versus mode that you unlock. And that's also how you unlock the infinite ammo versions of all your guns. So if yeah. you want to get like the shotgun, you had the M3, you have to fully upgrade it. And then you buy in uh, infinite ammo yep. so with can, those points. You can play the game again with Correct. infinite ammo. Yeah. And you can just turn that on and off. Um, you should do that. And then we'll just play the game again on infinite ammo and have fun. It. Well, I, one of the things you'd probably like it is infinite ammo on professional difficulty because so it's hard. really hard, but you don't have to worry about resources. It's just like just don't basically die. one hit knocks you down. Yep. So just don't die. Just don't die. Yep. And it's a, it's like a, just a huge shooting gallery and it's a lot of fun. That's I love. That's actually one of the reasons why it's I mean, like I really enjoy playing uh, replaying like Dark Souls three because you get into like new game plus four, five, six, seven, like the enemies keep scaling up. And all your shit was maxed out at the end of your first playthrough. Yeah. And so, like, you just, like, you're a badass, but so are they. Yeah. And so we are just, like, you you get to just slug it out with the game, and it's a lot of fun. And it's the stakes are a lot higher, but you're also a lot tougher. And Yeah. I I really enjoy doing that. Yeah, it's it's quite a bit of fun. The I'm sure people 
have played it. I've tried to use play professional difficulty without infinite ammo, and it's not my cup of tea. Because like the when I was doing it, I was playing it single player in which uh-huh. Sheva has uh controlled by the AI. Yeah. And like her not getting hit is impossible. Just obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> there's I like I said, there's better people than me that have done it, I'm sure. That was not what I was interested in doing. Now, mm. if you put Sheva with like a machine gun with infinite ammo, she's pretty competent. She yeah. goes around and just shoots stuff. But when she has to go find resources and Yeah. Gotcha. It's just like ugh. But so I've just been fucking around with that. Um, like I said, we'll watch The Last of Us. I would give The Last of Us as a show like a C minus. There's ten episodes and two of them suck. So that puts you down to a B. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there, I there wasn't any there wasn't there weren't any episodes that I thought were just like phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. There were plenty that were good. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of the show that really felt like kind of a waste of time. Even within the good episodes, there was a lot of wasted time. Yeah. And I don't want to get into super spoilers, but the last so, episode's 40 minutes. That's all I'll say. And that's just like the complete opposite of what I expected with like an HBO show. Cause like, yeah, game of th- like they do well, these big fucking like spectacle things. If it's the season finale, I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. If it is, yeah, it was. I could be short. wrong. And I would prefer to be wrong. Yeah. They, I was telling Matt when I when we and my wife were watching it because I know how the game ends, and so when the sequence started, I was pretty sure we're leading up into the end of the first game, or at least the uh, impactful first end, the, the where where the rubber meets yeah. the road, and it's a as far as the game was, it's a big scene, it's a big fucking deal, it's the culmination of this game, and and so I kind of thought they were going to like cut the episode right before it started, and then that would be next week's episode was like. We're gonna we're gonna do this, mm-hmm. and then they just did it, and then they still had ten minutes to wrap the show up at the end. And I was like, that was a much bigger deal than I think you guys gave it credit for. Yeah, they kind of just rushed through it. Yep, <clears throat> but I I enjoyed it. Um, for someone who is a much I was more simple minded and then just kind of casually enjoys television, I enjoyed it a lot more. The only episodes I didn't really enjoy were the episodes that were entirely flashback. I didn't like those. But, yeah, those were the two I was talking about. Yes, yeah. They're just um, so it's, it's just like, flashbacks. It's like, and they're long too. Yeah, like the the season finale, presumably. Yeah, was forty minutes. Yep. And like each one of the flashback episodes was like an hour long, and it's just like, just don't, like, yeah, I just, tell more story. Like, yeah, I don't know. But I guess part of the problem is like when you're adapting a game, like there's only so much there, and you kind of had to thread the needle a little bit because like you've got people that are obsessed with the game that are going to critique any addition or anything you leave out. Yeah. So, there's so there's like no you're winning. in a no win scenario with those types of people. Yeah. But that still doesn't mean you can't like make a good show. I don't know. Yeah. I, like I said, I just think the, yeah, those flashback episodes were not interesting as much to me, whether they were good cinema, cinema, cin- cinematography, the word that's a word. <laughs> Well, whether they were like from a third perspective, like well made or not, they were not my cup of tea. The other episodes I did, I did, I did enjoy pretty much. There was a couple, there's a few episodes there at the end that get a little outlandish um, where Joel does some things uh, that are like, really? Okay, come on. Like, like you're saying like, oh, we're just John Wick now. Yep. Okay, cool. But it was really cool. I I enjoyed it. That's one of the things that kind of bugged me about it was like. He becomes more and more of a badass as the show goes on, 
And like, at least when it started, I was looking at him like, wow, he's really skilled and intelligent. Uh huh. And it's like, that's why he's alive. Yeah. He's, Not necessarily because he's John Wick. It's because like he's, he's out. He's practical. He's patient. He's out for himself. That's a big part. Like he's always been out for himself. Yep. He keep, like he helps his brother. He helps his girlfriend. But like, like if you're not in the circle, you're, you're fucked. You're 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 nothing. Yeah. Nothing matters except for us. And then as the show gets on, he gets a little more risky. He gets a little more just like just more John Wick, more insane. Yeah. Yeah. I found myself rooting for the zombies because like in the last episode, there were a couple scenes where like they're like just full on having a conversation in these buildings that they haven't scouted or never been yep. in. And then like he puts his gun behind his back and I'm like, cool. Well, the zombies win. Like yep. he disarmed himself walking yeah. through someplace he's well, never fucking been. So one of the premises in the show is for the most part, there are no zombies in the woods, which makes sense. They're all, ge- they're, they're mostly geared towards the cities. That's where they're, the, the virus has been contained or pushed towards or they, that's where the people are. And so walking around the woods, I kind of get it. You're in that middle of nowhere. It's fine. Yeah. They're walking through a fucking city. Right. The place that's supposed to be dangerous. And if you go back to episode one or two, whichever one it was, where they're like creeping through a city because they're in the city and that's where all the infected are. And then now we're just casually walking through the city, chit chat and having a good conversation. Like I said, sitting down, put my gun down, you know, whatever. The thing that drove me nuts about it was there weren't really any consequences to them doing that either. Mm -mm. No. Like, if you wanted to do that, because, like, that would be one of the things you could do is, like, if him and Ellie develop this relationship where now he's starting to feel he's letting his guard down. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's... Well, then, good storytelling goes, well, the world itself hasn't changed. You've changed. You're no longer engaging in hyper-safe behavior. It's kind of like Zombieland, where, like, if you stopped... If following st- the rules of Zombieland, you die. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's the same thing here. He stopped following his own rules if you get and soft, wasn't punished. Yeah, you're gonna get punished. Um, the other thing I didn't particularly like is throughout the series, especially or especially towards the end, that there's a couple like clearly big time jumps mm-hmm. that we don't acknowledge or talk about, and we don't even address limited resources that we'd have to deal with during these huge time jumps where. We're hiking across the country, which, sure, that's possible. Yep. Now it's winter, all of a sudden. Don't worry. We have coats. Like, we didn't have any of this shit before. Now we have coats and gear, and now it's not winter anymore. Right. (laughs) And the coats and gear are just gone. Oh, and by the way, gasoline still works 20 years later. That's not a thing. Yeah. Well, (laughs) they talk about it. They say they they, they, that's why they have to gas up so often. He talks about it. They have to get gas every 80 miles or whatever. that's still not how it works. I know. Like... just to put it in perspective, the gas in my lawnmower went bad over the winter. <laughs> yeah. This is 20-year-old 20 20 gas. You have to put fuel stabilizer in gas if it's going to sit for more than a couple months. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> now, that's kind of the stuff where like I kind of like chuckle or like, you know, yeah. elbow my wife. Like that won't ruin a show for me because at yeah. some point like practicality has to enter into this cuz people are watching a TV show, it's not real. Yep. But one of the things that drives me nuts is when we spend two or more hours, the length of an entire movie, a long movie, no less, not progressing the story in two episodes when they could have been doing stuff engaging. To bridge those gaps. To bridge those I mean, gaps. I mean, it's a case of point. How do they get food? Right. They show them hunting, sort of. Okay. Correct. How many bullets did you guys fucking bring? I know. 
because we show because I saw Ellie fucking target shooting. I saw her blow through a fucking clip. Well, the funny thing is, so she shoots that deer, and the first thing I go is, "Well, I hope she knows how to clean a deer." That was I thought. <laughs> she congratulations, you just killed a hundred pound uh, animal. Yes, can you clean it? Can you get? I mean, yeah, get it back, get it back home. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. You left your fucking horse behind. <laughs> Yeah. And it was just like, and that was one of the things that like, I kind of thought the first, the first couple episodes, which made me play the game a little bit too, which I kind of lost interest in, um, was it felt like that was going to be the way the show was ran. We're like, Hey, if you kill a deer and you don't know how to do it, like how to clean a deer and what to do with it and whatnot, then you've just killed a deer and wasted your time. Uh huh. Where like this, it, the first couple episodes, it felt like a world with consequences. There were stakes, and there were rules there and were stakes, real stakes. And like the game is not like that. Correct. Like the game is very. I mean, it, it can be punishing, but like you can get hit like five times before you die. Well, what I mean though is like there's very in the game there's like very limited resources, and like you're really trying to scrounge stuff together. But like by the time you get a, just a couple episodes in, it's like all that goes right out the fucking window. Yeah. The biggest thing for me is like how cavalier we are with bullets. Mm-hmm. And again, we, like, well, they're cavalier when the story wants them to, and they're you know very uh, rare when. Yeah, they're conservative. Yeah, when they're, they're conservative when they bullet, yeah. when they need Joel to run out of bullets. Uh huh. He's out of bullets. Yeah. Well, again, in the last episode, again, he, he ends up shooting people. I won't go into. There's a gunfight. Yep. He kills somebody, takes their gun, uses that to kill another person, and just leaves their gun. I know. And I'm I like, Amanda that, looked at me and she went, well, he's not a loot whore, is he? <laughs> yeah. I was like, nope, this guy's never played the video game. <laughs> yeah, he fucking shoots two people and walks past one with a perfectly good rifle. And I'm right. like, I get that you can't carry all of them. You can carry two. You can carry two. You can put one around your back, which is what you were doing before all this shit yeah. happened. And then like... Whichever one has a sling goes around your back. Uh Whichever one doesn't is in your hands. Whichever one runs empty first, you throw at somebody and get your next one out. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Fuck, man. I know. (laughs) What did you also notice? And this is super minor, but so he kills one person, picks up person A's gun. Second kills second person, picks up a clip from person B's coat. Yep. And it You guys just so happen to have the same gun? Because I like a lot of that shit doesn't (laughs) <laughs> One of the things I did notice, the funny thing is they wouldn't have worked because the guy... The, they had totally different guns. Guy B had like a... Uh, like an AR, AR style. Platform and the guy rifle. wanted like a carbine. Well, he had like a... It looked like kind of a jerry-rigged AK-47 because it had that kind of banana-shaped magazine, but it mm. had like a bunch of like... It looked like it had a... Which I kind of thought was cool because like it was like, well, they kept the main parts of the gun and kind of like slap-dashed together the rest of it. I was like, well, that's kind of neat. I mean, this is a 20-year-old gun and nobody's manufacturing guns anymore. So like we're going to keep what works. Yeah, and just keep making it happen. And just keep throwing parts on that, you know, to make it happen. I was like, but why does guy with a fucking AR-style rifle have a banana-shaped... We probably won't have matching clips. Right. Like like if Matt and I are in a gunfight, I can't borrow one of his clips. No. That's not how it works. No. So, yeah, I thought that was yeah, pretty funny. I, that also popped up into my head, but it did bring my attention to that. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. They've got kind of like a... Because as soon as he reaches down and picks up Guy A's gun, I'm like, okay, now rifle through his coat and get his clip. And then he doesn't. And I'm like, well, you're an idiot. Right. And he goes to Guy B and gets his clip. I'm like, oh, you're a double idiot. Well, and I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I'm like, well, if Guy B would just take four steps back at any time before this shit starts, Joel's fucked. <laughs> Yep. So, have you ever did you ever watch the show Leverage? No. 
So there's it doesn't there's nothing this matters. There is a character in leverage. He's a badass. He's the he's the enforcer essentially. Yeah. He wins all the fights. And he, his whole premise is he doesn't use guns anymore because he used to be basically a mercenary. He fucking killed people. He, sure. He's he beats people to he's he's, he's Batman. Batman where he beats him beat to them like, almost to death. Put him in a coma, but not finish but the job. And so his whole thing several times throughout the show. People will pull a gun on him, and his like his go-to line is, "You know, guns have a specific range of efficacy," and then beat the fuck. Because what they do is they get three inches away and go, "Right, you want to fucking do, bam, 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 punch him in the throat." Like mm-hmm. that's his whole thing. Is guns have a very specific range of efficacy, and it's like it's past five feet, some space to some degree. Yes, there's some truth in that, but there's also been dudes that like the internet badasses who are like, "Oh." If you point a gun in my face, I can disarm you before you pull yes. the trigger. And every single person can pull the trigger before they yes, get disarmed. Yes, that is true. <laughs> but so the situation we have here, because that's true, yeah. where we're all relatively relaxed. Right. No one's holding a gun in anyone's face. Right. If you're quick, the, the hand is faster than the eye. You can probably get one dude. But like you said, if the other dude is outside of arm's reach, we're fine. Right. Just sh- I mean, at that point, you just shoot them both. Yep. If that's Yeah, you just shoot them both. Right. Anywho. Anyway, this is a magic podcast. So how my week HBO has been. Podcast. <laughs> um, I've been fine. I did not get to go to Pioneer this week, which I was very sad about. I had to work until like 7, 30, 8 o'clock, which happens. Luckily, soon I'll be on a Tuesday through Saturday schedule. I'll have my Mondays off entirely, so that'll make going to Pioneer pretty easy. But I haven't done a ton, except I've been, uh, for some reason, the gun grind got me again on Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. And so I've been chasing down gold camos. The reason I felt, I'll tell you what, I, I tell you exactly why I fell out of it recently is because I got to SMGs and I hate using SMGs on Call of Duty because, or at least this this Call of Duty, none of the SMGs fire fast enough to compensate for the reduced damage. Mm-hmm. Like an AR usually takes three hit markers to kill at medium range. An yeah. SMG at close range, it does okay, but at medium range, which by the way, in Call of Duty means like 20 feet. Yeah. Um, but they're just hilariously yep, inaccurate. <laughs> they take like four to five to kill. And that's too many because they don't fire twice as fast as an AR. Right. There is actually, there's one there. It's called the Fennec. It's, I believe it's a Vesper. I think Vesper is the name of it in the real life. But it's called a Fennec in the game. And what's funny about it is like it's 30 round clip is useless because you pull the trigger once and they're all gone. <laughs> but that it, it compensates for how it takes yeah it takes four or five shots to shoot him but it kills someone just as fast as an AR because you're going to shoot bullets three times faster right other than that in my opinion they're just not worth it you get higher mobility and you get higher aim down the sight speed so you can sh- sprint to fires faster ADS is faster but I, I don't think they're worth it I don't like them and I was working through golding them and it was a slog but I finally got it finished then I did in my opinion, the worst gun I've ever done for Call of Duty for a gold challenge, and that was I finally got the M16 unlocked. Mm-hmm. The M16 is a burst is a burst AR. It's a three round burst. Would mm-hmm. like to guess how many bullets it takes to kill somebody? Probably four, four or five. Yeah, it takes. If you're if you get a headshot, it doesn't. Well, don't get me wrong. One headshot won't kill anybody, but if you get like tick tick headshot, that'll kill them. Um, and if you're really close, like if you're right up on them, you can go tick 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 kill them. Otherwise, it will not kill them. And so you have to get multiple bursts on target to kill them. And that was so difficult to gold. Why do games make guns that only have a burst function? I have no idea. Those don't exist. I mean, I'm sure. Well, you can burst or single. Okay. You can burst or single. Okay. It doesn't have auto. 
<clears throat> so you're right. What yeah. I was thinking was Borderlands. That's what oh, made me think yeah. of Because there's a bunch of guns where you can't Only do burst. That. You yeah. can't, yeah. No, it does have burst or single. Um, the single's okay, but like, I struggled so much. I got so, I threw day. I threw things that night. <laughs> when I was trying to finish it, I threw things. Yep. Um, Fuck this shit. I was quite upset, but I got it done. The other thing I did is over the weekend, I had a buddy of mine come over and we finally started building the chicken coop for my wife. Um, I don't know if I told everybody, but I, I'm pretty sure I talked about we're getting chickens. I ordered chickens for Christmas. Did I talk about last week about how we now have double chickens? Yeah. Yeah. How she went ahead and just bought extra chickens. So I had to get the chicken coop going. Um, good friend of mine came over. We spent probably four or five hours building it. We have a good frame built and I need to basically enclose the chicken coop part, build some doors, build some coop, build some little hatch or laying hutches and whatnot. But I uh, really appreciate that. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mark. He came over and helped me as when I, <laughs> no, Matt yeah. came over, what donated. What did you fucking talk into doing that? Donated, uh, his Saturday in the kind of chili to go and pound nails in and run screws in and kind of throw together a quick frame. Uh, I definitely, while I can build things, I definitely am not very good at it and made some mistakes that <laughs> the the design would have been way smoother if I had just done a, a bit of framing differently. And now we have to go in and repair, fill in a bunch of gaps and it's a fucking whatever. But it's going this weekend. I'm hoping to finish it up. I'll get some pictures put on the discord uh, once it's finished for everybody. I'm trying to get Sarah to paint it this week because it's it is plywood, but I didn't get treated because. And we fucking spent $500 on wood and I still need more like and mm-hmm. that's untreated wood. It would have cost probably 30 percent more to get treated wood, which if it only lasts for like three or four years, it's whatever. If she goes and paints it, it'll probably last longer than that. But yeah, I'm trying to get her to get it painted this week so that when we built when I finish building it on Saturday or Sunday, it's good to go. But yeah, it's it's a huge project I need to finish up. But we got a really good start on it. And the biggest thing that Matt helped was like there's a lot of parts where like it just takes multiple hands to hold everything and put it together and. Having Matt there to help me with Sarah was super nice. So thank you very much, Matt. I appreciate it. Yep, you're welcome. Um, you better. Uh, it's going to take a lot of eggs to recoup $500 chicken coop plus the cost of the chickens. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's an investment, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> what it is, it is, it is, it does become semi-infinite food. Hypothetically, yeah. All I am one rooster away from infinite food. Yep. Um, but you're not wrong. Everyone I talks like. And look at me, we have to fucking feed them too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like they just make eggs for, like, you need to give them um, a calcium rich diet. Yeah. Because they're laying an egg every other day. Yeah. So we're going to feed them. You pay for your eggs still. You just get to have chickens in the process. And to be fair, as long as you're feeding them well, you get delicious eggs. Yes. Like, anybody who doesn't. So if you go to the store and you buy the cheapest eggs, if you buy even the next step up, they're uh-huh. way better. Like, and, and you can't get farm fresh eggs at the store. Like right. laid three days ago. Like, like eggs, when you buy eggs at the store and they last a couple weeks, eggs last for like a month and a half, two oh, months. Oh, they last a really long time if, they last if they're for, fresh and have never been washed. They last for fucking ever. The reason your eggs at the store don't last very long is one, they've been washed. And two, they're already several weeks old. Yep. When you get farm fresh eggs that somebody laid yesterday they're fucking amazing yeah so highly recommend but yeah that you can tell just by the color of the yolk if your yolk isn't orange you're eating the wrong eggs uh-huh yep and i i thought that was bullshit because like i'm the type of guy who like i'll spend money on stuff but i feel like i need to like get my money's worth so to speak yeah so i'm like uh, it's fucking eggs man like it's who cares eggs yep. and then you have like the good eggs and you're like oh my god bad eggs suck yeah <laughs> Yeah, farm fresh eggs are 
amazing. And we don't even buy farm fresh. We just buy like basically the, the little, little more free range, a little more yeah, they, better for them. Yeah. Yep. Just actually give them good food. Yep. And, Chickens that get to be happy. Right. Do you know who else is happy? Who's that? Our patrons. Our patrons are happy because one, they get that good feeling in their stomach because they know they support us. And two, they get extra content and extra perks all over the place. So huge shout out to our patrons like every week. Emperor, who puts our stuff up on Discord. Thank you so much. Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, Asphalt, Ted, Mumbledown, Rob M, and Limit of Questions. Thank each and every one of you for supporting us and being a part of the podcast. Thank you for being in the Discord and chit-chatting. Thank you for pimping that sweet merch. And all of the above can be yours if you visit cantrip cart or patreon.com slash cantrip cartel hop into that patreon hop into the discord get some merch and basically chit chat with us and listen to what is a lot of our bad deck ideas but our general consensus on magic but thank you to everyone who supports us thank you to anyone who may support us thank you to everyone who listens and matt how 30 minutes into the podcast is legacy looking so huge shakeup, huge shakeup. Banned a card out of both of the best decks. Yep, one a, a very significant banning. Um, is it fixed? In the short term, it looks really good. Ooh, we don't know what's gonna. Obviously, like we talked about last week, there's no way to predict what the meta is gonna look yeah, like it's, in a couple weeks. But it being shaken up is not fixed. Yeah. Um, currently it looks good. The metagame summary looks fantastic. The top eight has eight different archetypes in it. Uh, elves Dex. won, so like, huh? <laughs> I'm really happy about that. Of course. Uh, it doesn't look like initiative has gone away, though. No. So that's going to be something. Well, it's kind of what we talked about last week. What's hilarious, not only is initiative gone, initiative got a bunch of new toys to play with, and they're good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, some of our predictions weren't 100% accurate, but the gist of it basically came true. It, I mean, um, as far as there's, there's a red-green initiative deck, as opposed to like what I kind of predicted was green, uh, green, white uh-huh. with that uh, new green initiative card. Yep. That's what we were talking about. Let's just like, well, the white ones seem like the best ones, uh, but the red green ones looks like that's going to be a pretty solid deck going forward. It's yeah, it's really good. Yeah. And it takes a, it Dude. takes a ton of advantage of like all the like Lotus petals and like fast man, uh-huh. like city of traders and stuff like that. So, yeah. So you're abusing, Eight soul lands and eight lotus petal creatures. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's got a ton of four drops that it never actually pays for for. And so. has four Minskin Boo as well. Yeah, like, I know. And backup plan. Well, that's one of the things like going through this, and we'll get to it, but I don't want to like skip ahead because you know elves. Fuck <laughs> elves. No, there's two cards in here that are cool to talk about. <laughs> so we'll start with our normal top eight. Well, we'll continue with the normal top eight. Um, we've got uh, Farrah Ricks. Looks like Farrah Ricks. Uh, brought it home with elves. <clears throat> so it looks like we've we've got some like glimpse of nature, natural order of uh, elves going on here. More traditional list. We don't have like fiend artisan and stuff like that. We've got heritage druid, uh, nettle sentinel, that kind of list. Uh huh. It does, however, have a couple additions. It's got one leaf crown visionary, which we've talked about before. Yep. <clears throat> but makes perfect sense in this list. It's basically a glimpse that you can green sun zenith for. Among other things. Calling it a glimpse is a bit of a stretch, but it does allow... It's more (laughs) like it turns all of your one-mana elves into Heritage... Not Heritage Druid. What's it called? Elvish Visionary. Yeah. So it makes everything an Elvish Visionary. It's To me, I... Yes, you're correct. 
when I look at that and when I say that, I'm talking about when you have like Nettle Sentinel Heritage <laughs> Druid online and you're generating positive mana anyways. Yeah. Then you're just yes, you're not generating. Well, you might as not much. be. You might. Yeah, you're definitely less positive mana. It might be that what breaks you off of positive mana. However, no. But if you're mana neutral, you can still keep going. Yeah, and that's what matters. You don't yes. really care about. Um, necessarily going up on mana a lot of times in those. I, I'm sure it's handy, but the cards are more important. Yes. Just have it, keeping a full grip, keeping it going is what matters. And the, the mana matters when you, depending on what you draw, a lot of times you end up having to cast Crater Hoof Behemoth. So yeah. like being mana positive does matter. Or green sunning for it. Or green sunning for it. So like the, the mana definitely matters and it obviously makes it much easier to uh, do a glimpse chain if you are mana positive. Yeah. But it's one of those things where, like, it's really good in the grindy matches where it turns just average elves into elvish visionary. It's good to have a a a worse uh, tutorable glimpse. So yeah. Like, yeah. The fact that it is tutorable. Yeah. It's definitely like it's also wanna, a lord. Right. Like we're brushing on the fact that it is also a lord. Yes, it is also a lord. Which in a glimpse in glimpse elves isn't. It's not irrelevant, but it's not like as relevant because like you're typically speaking not looking for just one additional power. Yeah. Um but, as, not doing, but it's just again, it's percentage points. Well, I was gonna say, as is common with 2023 magic, the card was already fine, but we let's slap one more line of text on there. Yep. So we've got that. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was they threw a Traxa in here, so, which makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> so we saw some play last week or two weeks ago. It would be two weeks ago with the dinosaur, whatever the fuck that thing was, yep. Tyrannus, Tyrannus Rex or something like that. Yeah. Um, because it was essentially the same clock, if not better than Progenitus and similarly difficult to interact with. Now, are, are you telling me honestly that what elves wants for the payoff for going all in on its plan B strategy is to draw more cards? I think this is a fantastic pick. Because Progenitus and Tyrannus Rex, because most of that's your plan B. We can agree there, right? It's your plan B. You're usually going for Progenitus or, Tr- or Tyrannus. Well, we, this one's not even running Progenitus. I know. What but I'm yeah. saying is it's in that plan B slot where that is the, like, I'm not going to be able to crater hoof my opponent to death in one turn. I'm going to go get a, I can re- probably resolve a thing. I'm going to go get a thing that will end the game in two turns and is either impossible or very difficult to interact with. I would say Atraxa is not is is neither of those. It, so it's a three turn clock. Um, it is a it is a huge life swing. Obviously, it does race Murktide in the way that well, it can't get through a Murktide, but their their Murktide can't attack either because attack for eight, I'll attack for seven, gain seven back. Like there, there's who's winning that race, right? Um, but it doesn't impose any kind of a clock. It is easy to remove unless you're running snuff out and. It is a slower clock than Progenitus or... Does it have haste? No. Okay. Progenitus or Tyrannus Rex. So, argument against me. So, like we've discussed many times, Progenitus is, quite frankly, in my opinion, not good enough anymore. I agree. The problem is, a lot of those cards we talked about do nothing if they hit the board and then are answered. Yes. Attracts a doesn't. And attracts a very... Like, it's... I'm going to present a must-answer threat... Because you have to, I mean, there's, we can, you, to me, there's no denying Atrax is a must-answer threat, given that it's frequently powered out by other combo decks. Yes. Like, Show and Tell and Reanimator, they're all trying to do. Atraxa in this deck is going to draw, what, three cards? Four, maybe? 
Like your your hit and your grist is very rare. Possible, very rare. So you're looking at an instant and a sorcery, a land, and a creature. Yeah. That's your all-in strategy for plan B is draw four cards. It's not draw four cards. It's draw four cards on top of having one of the best creatures. Imagine if Murktide was also draw four cards. <laughs> yeah, but Murktide costs two. This costs presumably four. Or you could green, I guess you could green sun it out, but if you're yeah. green... No, it realistically it costs four. It costs four and a creature. I'm not saying you get it first, because the, the comparison... That's okay, okay, so we're, but, we agree there. No, no, you... Plan A is 100% Crater Hoof, beat him to death in one turn. Well, that's what the deck is. It's, yes. It's Glimpse, yep. get a bunch of dudes and out, so, get Crater Hoof. So if we... It's it, only, to me, the comparison is only to either... A, um, there's a few cards we can compare it to. Mm -hmm. A second Crater Hoof, which I think it's better than a second Crater Hoof. Agreed. Uh, which a lot of people did run. That's not a that's not a strong oh, yeah, man. Not, a second yeah, crater hoof is a you draw one. Yes, um, a second crater hoof. Progenitus. Progenitus, which I think it clearly outclasses. Yep. There's that dinosaur, which we talked about, which I will agree is harder to remove. But again, if they do remove it, you get nothing. Mm -hmm. And one of the bad, one of the real downsides of natural order is like you do go down on cards just to cast it, and this helps recoup some yes. of that. Yes. Um, and then there's Archon of Valor's Reach. Which is a meta call. Basically, it's the it's the green white one that when it comes protection. into play, uh, it doesn't give you protection. No. It's players can't cast spells of yes. the type that you choose. Yes, yes, yes. That's yes. in my opinion, I could see running that in the mm -hmm. correct meta over yep. this. There are times when that's just the right decision. <clears throat> correct. So in my opinion, in my mind, Progenitus is already out. I agree with you 100. We've Progenitus isn't that isn't good enough. I thought I think Tyrannus Rex is what's fighting for this spot. I think as someone who doesn't play elves. Rex is better. Rex is um if they're okay, so if they if they if they can remove it the turn Rex comes down, presumably they would have removed the creature. Or no, I guess I'm sorry. I forgot how natural order works. Never mind. Yeah. Um so you can't get rid of you can't stop me from casting yeah, my natural order. Cast. <laughs> um but if they can remove the turn it comes down, you're looking at they I guess they have that means they have five mana and a swords. Yeah. Which is possible. Well, Otherwise they're taking eight damage right away. But it is removable, and now they're at 12. Or let's say they fetch twice. They're at 10 with four poison counters, which is infinite. It doesn't matter. Versus a 7-7 seven, seven that gets removed the same, or gets removed much easier, but does yep. get removed in this situation no matter what. And you drew between two and four cards. Probably closer to, three is probably a pretty you're, normal. You're probably going to get yeah, three. Yeah, I was going to say, you're You're, you're always going to get a creature. Yeah. You're almost always going to hit a land, but you probably don't want the land. So does the land even count? I would say the land actually... Absolutely counts, given that Gaius Cradles is frequently one of the land. Yes, but... And you have to take in consideration what you're also... Almost all your spells get you another dude. So I would say if... I don't want to... I, I think most of the time Gaius Cradle isn't going to count as a huge pickup because if you're going for Atraxa, then you don't have... You didn't go for Crater Hoof. Gaius Cradle pays you off if you have a bunch of creatures. I mean, if you have three creatures... But like if you, I get what's the what's what's the line? When do you go for? When do you not go to Crater Hoof? When's Crater Hoof enough? Uh, I think you need. Let's see. Let's do the quick math. Uh, if you have three creatures, if you have three elves plus a hoof, then they each get plus four plus four, which makes them four um, four five fives. Five, so five ten fifteen plus twenty four. Yeah. Okay. So assuming they have no blockers, three elves. And so a if hoof. you've got three extra creatures after the natural order resolves, you're going for Crater Hoof every time. Maybe. Presume, yeah, yeah, because yeah. But, the problem is the hoof almost. I mean, it's not always the case, but like frequently, like it can't. It can three elves and a hoof can frequently not be lethal if they have blockers. If they have blockers, 
Um, now it can it's a one sided board wipe. Yes. So you'll but again that now you're back into well now they, they answer they get another turn. Yeah. Like they kill the hoof. You got three one ones. Right. They're probably at six. That's a two turn clock. That's not fast enough. Right. Um. So in that situation, you know, you you have to go for it. You've got three or four other creatures. You're gonna go grab a Traxa. So I mean, I, in that situation, yeah. Uh, then in that situation, for sure, like Cradle comes in and makes a bunch of mana, which could be relevant because you did just draw three other cards. But a lot of times, what you've told me the Progenus was there for is like a grindy matchup against Delver. You're gonna struggle to to maintain any creatures. So now you're going for you're going for a, a, a haymaker to end the game by itself. The Against Delver, I usually don't worry too much about Progenitus. It's mainly against control decks. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Fair. Where you, basically, where you're looking yeah, for like sweepers. Yeah, Like, correct. I'm I'm going to be terminusing your board, and I'm going to one-for-one you to the best of my ability. Like, I right. have, I've got eight removal spells minimum, plus the Terminuses. Yeah. So you being able to build a board that, that Crater Hoof kills me is pretty unlikely. So now you're going to go for this Atraxa. In that situation, which is... Is that it? Is that I should? Is that when this Plan B card is more important? I don't. On average, yes. And in I don't know. Yes and no. It's okay. just one of the the problem is currently the control decks don't really operate that way. That's true. Now we're on four color control. Like we're Which like they're not. We're they're, control mid rangey piles now, right? And that's I think that's where the change comes down. Where they've gotten rid of a lot of their uh, sweepers, mm-hmm. and so you end up where like. You can end up in where you're just like trading one for one a bunch, mm-hmm. and then it's like, well, now that you've burned all your removal, I still have a Dryad Arbor, and yeah. I'll just exchange that for an Atraxa. Deal Atraxa. with that seven seven life link, right? Where it's just like, well, answer this or lose. Yeah, and that that's that is true. Is an answer this or lose? Where right. I mean, like you're nothing outraces again, unless you're staying in a Murktide because you can't attack and he can't attack. Well, sometimes you can. Like Murktide isn't always a seven seven. That's true. That is true. Sometimes it's yes, yeah, so it's it, it's it, it you're it can be a five five or six six. Yeah. Um. What kind of removal do you have? So you do have three. Let's say we're post board hypothetically here. You've got three, four, five cards that kill kill it. Yeah, they're yeah. running by. Wow, they're running under Mountain Adventure. Yeah, I saw that. That's I was going to comment on that too. <laughs> um. So you got you got five ways to kill the first Murktide. Usually the first Murktide's big enough. Your second Murktide might not be, and that's yeah. for yeah. You just attack right through that bitch. Yeah. So what I'm getting to to kind of round it back out, I I. We are counting Gaia's Cradle when most of the time, let, let's say at least more than half the time, we're going for an Atraxa line. We have one creature. We probably only have one or two creatures. Gaia's Cradle isn't a huge payoff. So now we're looking at drawing potentially three cards. Well, also, your hand doesn't necessarily not have any creatures in it either. That's true. You could dump the creatures, play the Cradle. Now yeah. you got four more man to play the rest of the creatures it, in it, your it's hand. It's one of the things, again, this card is it's new. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of hard to just sit here and come up with like every situation where it's good or bad. It is, yeah. But like, I'm just looking at fundamentally, you would play differently. Yeah. So like, if it tracks us here in your deck, you don't necessarily pursue the same lines you would with Progenitus. Mm-hmm. So maybe you cast it and go, hey, deal with this first. So let me ask this Have you ever thought of, have you ever looked at your natural order and go, man, thank God this is a value play? Yes, I have actually. There's sometimes where it's just like, you know, you just aren't going like if you, for example, if you see like a board wipe coming, sometimes you're like, I don't want to commit to anything. I want to get like a specific thing out. Like sometimes oh, it's just on. a flat. Sometimes you, it's a flat out tutor. Are you telling me you're going to I don't want to play into a board. Wipe, so I'm going to natural order and get something else out. Yes. 
So like, for example, now this is a weird line. Sure. But so you've got a, like a wirewood symbiote out. Yep. Yes, sir. And you're expecting natural order or uh, you're expecting uh, a board wipe. Yep. Cool. Terminus is coming up. So I can um, natural order away something that I know is going to die. Like if I have more than one elf. Yeah. And get an elvish visionary and trade it for you an could. elvish visionary. Now I can next turn when they terminus, you save it, and then it. I can start to recover. Like there's weird shit uh -huh. like that where that stuff does actually matter. And especially in that case, if you're playing against playing against Terminus, putting a Traxa out, drawing a bunch of cards, not a bunch. I know. Okay, okay, yeah. That's <laughs> but like drawing some cards. Some cards, yeah. And then it doesn't even die, it gets put back in your deck where you could tutor it out again. Yeah. Isn't necessarily and again, I know we just that's discussed that sure. Terminus isn't seeing a ton of play right now yeah but in it's that probably scenario, getting killed um but so yeah i okay. i don't know it's one of those things where i look at that and i go i would almost always rather have that than progenitus so i when i see a track so okay again we'll, we'll absolutely agree probably better than progenitus because progenitus is probably just bad yeah in the in the scope of legacy which is a hilarious thing to say um but when i look at a Traxa in other decks because the reason we're powering out a Traxa in other decks is it's drawing five six cards and it's also enabling us to like like Atraxa and then we like into second thing into like mm -hmm. we've seen a lot in Reanimator. Reanimator drawing, you're looking at I think it's is it ten? I want to get the number. Yeah. Is it ten? Uh yeah, top ten cards. Looking at ten, it's really likely you find enough shit to do it again. To mm -hmm. get another thing. That's pretty unlikely, not entirely, but pretty unlikely in this deck. We're not drawing a new grip. You're drawing realistically three cards. Real on average, probably three cards. Yeah, a creature, a land, instant or sorcery. I would say I'm going to argue that the land is semi relevant most of the time. So we're drawing three real cards. You probably get an instant and sorcery because you're going to get although like one of them is going to be fucking once upon a time. Which I guess if you have enough mana, that maybe I mean like once upon a time is really strong if you can cast it. A, a lot of the, a lot of the sorceries are fucking bombs though. Like glimpse, green mm -hmm. sun, natural another yeah, natural it's order. It's like I'm gonna go ten deep, and if I grab a glimpse, you lose next yeah, turn. Yeah, very very likely. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the best creature you're gonna see a lot of creatures getting the best one of those is huge. Um, notably, if you saw a dryad arbor, you can get that and a creature for what yep. it's worth. Is there any other like weird synergies between grabbing a creature? Not really. None of these are like any kind of tribal or other other card type, right? Okay, no. Because like if you have like an enchantment creature, yeah, you can grab an enchantment creature as a okay. Uh about Wrist. the only one would be like Leyline of the Void. You could technically snag that yeah. games two and three, but that's unlikely. That it's unlikely that that would matter. It could. Again, get, we're talking oh, about yeah, matter. Yeah. But like I guess you would take it just to not have to draw not have to draw it. Well, I mean you take it because it's free. Yeah. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's where when I see a Traxa in this spot and I I, I go, why are we running a Traxa over something different? Um, it is easier to answer than in my okay, in my mind, to be clear, I'm thinking of Tyrannus Rex. That's kind of what's taking that slot, in my opinion. I think it fights Progenitus very well for that slot. So now we're fighting Tyrannus Rex for that slot. Tyrannus Rex is harder to answer. Mostly you can't snuff out a Traxa, and, and Snuff Out is the premier removal spell right now. So yep. there's that. And Snuff Out does play into Ward 4 a lot better because you're not paying any man for it anyway. But for the most part, it's harder to answer. Uh, it is a faster clock. Arguably doesn't race as well, though, because you're not gaining any life. Right. Definitely doesn't draw any cards. And it comes in, dies. It's definitely worse than Atraxa. I, I think I still like Tyrannus Rex as far as the game plan of the deck goes. To me, a lot of the, what this slot has almost always boiled down to is a medical. 
That's a good point too. Yeah. Like, what do you plan on having to deal with? Mm Because like that's it's kind of like what we talked about with Archon, where like you can just sometimes you can just cast Natural Order and get an Archon and you just win. Yeah. Like you name sorcery in game one against fucking Tess Tess, and and the game's over. The game's over. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Tess can't really. I guess. Yeah, at the time you could do that. Yeah, yeah it may have changed now. Well, no, because I was thinking like, oh, well, they can go and empty the warrants. That's a sorcery. Yeah, right. they can't cast any of their they payoff cast, spells. Correct. And in the um, main deck, they don't have a way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Games two and three, they'd have like chain of vapor and stuff like that to bounce it. Um, yes. Uh, stuff like that. That's obviously a good call. Uh, crater hoof can see a second crater hoof can see some play. But I think a track settle, as we discussed, is just better than a second crater hoof. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and then it's just a matter of like. Where you what you kind of want, where people, where elves players want to be, in a meta. What changes do you think? Would you make any changes to your deck to make Atraxa better, to hit more card types? Maybe hit some artifacts. Maybe hit some enchantments. The deck is very streamlined. I'm not saying I'm not saying there's room in the deck. I was thinking I was thinking about that myself. I would probably. He's only got two natural orders in here. I'd probably want a third. That makes because sense. Because getting a getting an because like if you cast it in game one, now he does have a third natural order in the side. But if you cast it in game one, you're almost always going to be casting it with natural order. I mean, in theory, you can green sun zenith it out, but realistically, you're yeah. probably not going to cast it like hard cast Again, it. If you've got if you've got the mana for a green sun on eight or nine, you right. probably have a more cradle than, with creatures more than likely. Now there are situations where that does matter. That's true, and you don't have enough. Unsummoning sick. All your creatures are summoning sick. Yeah, and you, you can't, can't swing afford. in for. So, like that would be another good reason to go get a Traxa. Yeah. Where you're like, well, I want to do something here. You're sort of stalled out here. Right. So at least it's I like can draw some more cards out of this. Correct. And still have a very you have a a a, a threat that if they don't deal with is much <laughs> better than just a five five. Like so here. So then that brings me in, in this question. So you're in a situation, and I'll ask you because you're the elf player, and where you have you've got. 10 creatures out, you've stalled out, you have enough mana to cast one natural order, and you have no creatures that can attack. You know, do you keep the natural order and hope to untap and just fucking kill them next turn? Or go for the Atraxa, draw one or two cards, and now you're soft to a single removal spell that just kills your Atraxa and you have a board of one ones. It depends on what the board looks like and what deck it is. Like, because like if you're planning on dying next turn, then you just have to go for it. If you... If you think you have a bunch of time, or if you're planning on a board wipe, then you have to. So, like, if they're going to board wipe, I'd just do a Traxa. So, if you're if you're fearing, it's like, so the, yeah, what situations push you towards a Traxa? Because if they're, if you're not fearing a board wipe and you're not fearing losing, the answer to me is well, it's relatively obvious. You're going to go for the natural order next turn and swing for a hundred. Depends on, in general, yes. But again, you got a bunch of answers. Are they? Are they? Do they have any sort of discard? Like, are what are your odds of losing your natural order? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> What are the odds of it resolve? Do you know they have a force of will or not? Sometimes you can bait it out. Who mm-hmm. know, like what else? Obviously, we discussed like what else you have in your hand. That kind of stuff kind mm-hmm. of goes. But like, I think the big thing is what are you playing against and what's the board state look like? And without knowing those specific things, it's kind of hard to answer because like that's kind of like a judgment call. Because like, at that point, you're just like, well, I don't know. Because like the the player in me says, I want to kill you this turn. Yeah, of course. Um. I don't like giving other people. I don't like giving my opponent another turn. Yep. Well, but if so, they, but if they're fucking like, if they have nothing on their board and one card in their hand, then I'm probably gonna pass and just kill you next turn. So that that it's kind of interesting perspective because Atraxa always gives them another turn, ninety nine percent of the time. Because I, I guess Atraxa could draw you into I'm yeah, at, yeah. But like ninety nine percent of the time, Atraxa is gonna give them another turn. Yep. 
a smaller percentage of the time Tyrannus Rex will. Yeah. Because they might be at eight. Yep. Or less. It could be. 100%. I don't disagree so with I, that point at I all. I win the argument. Okay, it's more than the second place. <laughs> no, I'm it's not, complicated. This is complicated. Yeah. Well, I'm not even pro Atraxa necessarily. It's just to me, this is this card is seeing play everywhere. Yeah. It warrants testing. I say this all That's the time. Fair. It warrants testing. I don't think the answer is super clear cut, whether it's this or Tyrannus Rex, mm-hmm. like we talked about. I mean, we've sat yeah. here and talked about it for 20 minutes. Yeah. So clearly it's not yeah. just a solid yes it, or no. And it's I'm not, not saying a, you're saying that either. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. Not one is, I'm saying one's a seven and one's a 12. Yeah. We're looking at two nines. Right. And it's like, ooh, or an eight and a nine or a nine and an eight. Or, right. So I don't know. And like I said, I think a lot of it's going to boil down to what the meta is like. Mm-hmm. I don't, but it's, it's one of those things where like it feels, like it should be good enough. Okay. I think people, like we talked about, I was really big on Tyrannus Rex as well. Mm-hmm. I think you and I both agreed there. Like, mm. we both liked that card for that second slot because all the reasons we discussed in that episode. Um, but Attracts is one of those things where, like, it's fucking everywhere. Why would you not try it? There is an example I didn't think about, and this is on this, 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 um, lends to the Attraxa. And what it does do in the post-board games, which presumably is when your plan you a- B is more important, it lets you dig for hate pieces mm-hmm. you need this turn. Yeah. And I didn't think about that. It does let you dig for that endurance. You to get to be- see a ton of different cards. Yeah. And that's one of the things, It's I'm not saying you're saying it to be dismissive, but when you no, no, when no, no, somebody no, no. says, I'm- like, you play a Traxa and you draw two cards, it's drawing two cards out, out of ten. Of ten. Like, and that is, a, it's it's dig through time, basically. It's really, like, why did we, why did Expressive Iteration get banned? Right. It was card advantage with selection. And this is card advantage with really good selection. Right. On and top so, of a 7-7. Seven, seven. <laughs> I, I didn't think about the fact that, yeah, you are getting to look at ten cards for the Force of Vigor that that kills the bridge from below or not the bridge from below but the uh the ensnaring bridge right or the endurance that keeps you from losing to or the besager or the besage you that keep yeah or the assassin's trophy or or the snuff out that is you need for whatever reason i don't know insert creature yeah. here so i didn't think about it in that aspect that it potentially can make your deck slightly more toolbox oriented where like you are up against the uh, fence and it's like well if i don't find force of vigor this turn i just lose Okay, well, I'm gonna look at the top ten and try and find Force of Vigor. Right. So that's a good, that's a, a huge swing in Atrax's favor. And when you can tell that that's what um, he was going for, yeah. if you just look at the sideboard, it's wildly different than a normal one. It is. It's very. And, and you've like, got this one ofs, two ofs, and the Assassin Trophy in the main. Like the the main almost always in one snuff out in the main. Yeah, that's what I was, that's, you got one Assassin Trophy, one snuff out. That's I mean, you're literally cutting a natural order out. In order to run more sideboard cards. Yeah. So that you can see them. You could potentially go get the silver bullet you need. Right. So I don't know. No, that's I'm curious to see where it lands. Yeah. I it would be fucking amazing though if you're like awesome creature, awesome spell, awesome land, and you happen to hit Grist. Yeah. It's (laughs) like cool. Yeah. And that's the the I see all kinds of screenshots and whatnot from MTGO where it's like like when a tracks it just becomes a draw six. Yeah. And I mean like in those situations then it's fucking bonkers. Uh, then absolutely natural order because there's a whole deck now around natural order attracts. Yeah, yep. Um, I can't remember what colors well, it is. Ban- but it's normally bant. Is it bant? Is it bant? No, it's it, the, no the, show or something they call it. Or uh, it's normally bant. No, because bant natural order. Uh, but there's variations well, on it now. I think I've heard people talking about. I think they call it no show. Yeah, it's natural, it's got order, natural show order and show and tell. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
And in that situation, I totally get going for a track. Because when the track's a draw six, my main argument against a tracks here is it's a draw two, draw three, in a deck that wants to, like you said, end the game right now. Because you have way overcommitted. And so we need to end the game right now. Drawing two or three cards doesn't recoup. If you spent this turn going off and you put six creatures out and then you pass an attraction to draw two, board gets wiped. Now, I mean, one of the things I will say, it is very good against Delver if it resolves. It is. I mean, that's basically a fucking brick wall against Delver. Yeah, it's even against against one Murktide. Like I said, no one can, no one can attack. Right. Because you outrace most them. Most of the time. Most of the time. Against a second one. You're kind of up shit creek. That's two full. That's full, two full. Pa- well, in fairness, now you have a. If you had two full power merc tides, one of them's fucking fifteen fifteen or whatever. Right. Well, and the thing is, she still kills the fifteen fifteen merc tide. She does. And, but but now you one can attack, one can be back to block. One like, of the downsides though, pyroblast kills her. Pyroblast, yep. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she is blue. <laughs> she is blue. So yeah, she does die to a pyroblast. But to be fair, most, I mean, the odds of a pyroblast coming in against you is pretty low. Pretty low. And they're probably not going to bring it in for, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, I, w- I mean, when I was playing Jeskai Control, it's the first thing that comes out. I'm not playing a fucking pyroblast right. against elves. Yeah. Oh, I hope Unless, you get your, it's just one of the funny things where we're talking about that matchup. It's like, yeah, well, they could just pyroblast yeah. it. Unless, like, the list becomes super meta, but, like, wouldn't yeah. that be the funniest thing ever where you forget to sideboard your blasts out? <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Bing. Bing. But, yeah, it's, it is very good against Elver. It's, I mean, it's probably a resolved one against the initiative decks is probably really fucking good, too. Where yeah. it's just, like. Very little can attack into it, and yeah. it outraces most of it. Yep. And it takes and the initiative it, it back. It takes initiative and still blocks. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have an Atraxa against an initiative deck, if they don't kill it, the game's fucking dumb. Oh, yeah, because it has vigilance. It has vigilance. So yeah. it just sits there and, like, cool. I, yeah, I now have a 7-7 flying death touch, uh-huh. lifelink vigilance. Deal yep. with that. You're, you have a 14-point life swing every turn minimum. And, and you can't attack, and I've got the initiative. I have a blocker. Yeah. Right. So if you happen to get a hold of a, a, a 7-4 and of the second 7-4, now you can maybe do something, but, like... If not, you're just feeding a creature into me. I blocking this creature soaked up that creature's damage. By the way, take seven this turn. Right. So, so. yeah, I think that that to me is like, and it kind of makes sense where what we talked about, where like we figured a lot of people would be playing Delver to kind of tweak it to figure it out. Uh huh. And same thing with initiative. We kind of figured people would be trying to play, and it's like Atraxa is really good in my opinion. A resolved Atraxa. Now, obviously, the difficulty is getting it out. Yeah. But yeah, the tracks are really good against on the those board. two decks. It turns out a was it a seven mana seven seven with four keywords and eight lines of text. What was that? I can't remember who said it, but it was an old, like it was like an old GP quote. But it was like it turns out the format is very soft to a resolved Ugin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Legacy is kind of soft to a resolved Atraxa. Yep. And so like, I do agree with that's a hundred percent. Yeah, because I mean the thing is, Legacy in general doesn't go that big. Mm-mm. That's where I was like, it's all about it's, kind of, it's funny that like the mid-range control decks, like their control decks, like they're just going bigger than Legacy is used to with yeah. these huge four mana threats that have tons of value and just destroy you. Yeah. Because they just just go bigger. Traditional control isn't good enough when every single threat is game ending. Also shits all over Uro. <laughs> so yeah, no shit. So fuck <laughs> you. I'll just run a bunch of game ending threats myself that all cost four and five and get yep. the game to where I can cast them. All right. Rest we, of we the did, topic. We did 30 minutes on first place. Uh, next up, we've got eight cast. Let's see if there's anything new. We'll kind of make this. Looks like traditional eight cast. Uh, we're not doing the, uh, the painter cast that we've seen really popping up lately. And this is, a lot of this stuff is kind of what we talked about where like, 
we didn't mention eight cast specifically, but we were talking about aggressive decks being good. Like you'll notice there's very little control here. It's a lot of combo. Yeah, it's combo. It's combo and just and, aggressive and some aggression. Yeah. yeah. Like prison, uh, initiative, eight cast, elves. Elves is a combo ish or, but aggressive deck. It's fast. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Like very, so. yeah. In, a, in an unstable metagame where the, 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 uh, the police of the format are kind of reeling. Yeah, all of the degeneracy is going to kind of... Yep, rear its ugly head again. Uh-huh. So, A-Cast in second place. Um, I am kind of want to breeze through the decks that we know because there's a couple more that yep. we want to talk about. And there's nothing really interesting. Like, this looks like a very stock yeah. A-Cast list from, like, two months ago. Yeah. Like, two Kappa, eight casts, three Psy, four Emery, and then all the artifacts you expect. Yep. So third place, we've got that red-green initiative deck. So this is what initiative went to, huh? So this is their first pivot. <clears throat> so we'll go through the full list. We don't have to talk about every card, but I want to go the full list. So we've got four Elvish Spirit Guide and four Simeon Spirit Guide. So there's your big eight. change. Yep, those are the first big... I mean, the big change, clearly, is we switched colors. Yes, yes, obviously. Sorry. Yeah, we're but off those, of mono-white or white-red. Yep. Red-green. <clears throat> so since we're not in mono-white anymore, we can have our Lotus Petals uh, that we don't actually have to cast. You have it. to cast which so, is super relevant. Yes, it is. Uh, not a ton, It's not super relevant on turn one, but anytime after that it is. Yep. When people can just go Pithing Needle, Lotus Petal, or any other interaction. You can't Pithing Needle, Lotus or Petal. Whatever. You know what I mean, though. Like, the point stands. Not Pithing Needle, needle in particular, but any way to deal with it, mm-hmm. it's gone. Yep. You can- Collect Roof is an excellent attack on this deck. Yeah. Because it hacks, like, the Chrome Mox. It right. attacks the... Uh, it attacks all, a lot of the artifact mana they were utilizing. Yes, and this doesn't really lean nearly as much on it. And I think you're just going up also. Like, Yeah, I mean, there's, argu- there's like, you Chrome have Mox, eight instead of four. <laughs> like, Lotus Petal is arguably better than Elvish Spirit Guide or Simeon because you get whatever color, but both of those creatures are just better than Chrome Mox. Right. Because you don't, for the most part, you don't need the mana more than once. Sometimes you do, but not, well, with this deck, you don't get an Undermountain Adventure. Right. And it just... Heart's fucking nuts. It's it's a one mana one card for one mana. Yeah. Um, then we got Magus of the Moon. So this is kind of what we talked about last week. Yep. Where we're gonna take out the the three mana initiative card got banned. Yep. So what do we do? Put in some three mana prison elements and then yep. just run the four mana initiative cards. So, so this tur- is kind of what we were talking about. So turn one, so since we put in eight lotus petals, turn one is still either an initiative creature or or Magus, Magus of the Moon. Moon or Trinisphere. Or Trinisphere. Or Chalice. Or Fable the Mirror Breaker. Oh, yeah, or, or Chalice. So Fable's clearly not a prison piece, but good God. Hate seeing it. <laughs> and that's what I was going to talk. Like, I looked at this list and I went, man, Red's got some good fucking cards lately. <laughs> it does. You can go turn one Minskin Boo. Get the right hand. Yeah, I mean, it's. Could you imagine turn one Minskin Boo? Make a 1-1. One, one, make a 4-4. Four, four, take four, fucker. Yeah. God, that'd be brutal. Next turn. Hope you have force of will. Next turn, take seven. Fuck it. Take seven more, draw seven. Right. Um, so we've got the spirit guides, eight of them, two mags of the moon. Then we've got the initiative creatures themselves. We've got caves of chaos adventure, which I just really wish that had a different name. Yeah. Uh, then we also have under mountain adventure. We've talked about the red one a lot. So under mountain adventure, four mana for a three, four with green. vigilance. Three and a green. Um, when it uh, ETBs, you take the initiative. You can tap it. For two green, so that in and of itself is going to solve a lot of fucking problems. Yeah. It immediately makes going in with the the spirit guides worth it, because yep. as long as it sticks, you've got your mana back. Yep. And now you're off to the races casting the rest of your four drops in your fucking uh-huh. deck. Um, 
then if you've completed a dungeon, you can tap it for six green instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which probably isn't going to happen all that often, but it's still, it wasn't good enough to just tap for two. It needs an upside. One more line of text. Yeah. Needs another upside. Then we've got four fury. Makes perfect sense to me in this deck. Mm -hmm. um, pseudo, a pseudo hate piece. Pseudo hate piece. You've got, I mean, it's, one of the big things is you're going to be spending a lot of mana and being able to tap out and still deal with yep. blockers. A lot of it's going to be blockers. So like, yep. oh, you played some dude that I, now I can't take the initiative or whatever, kill him. Yep. Something that is easy to get brushed over. It's a 3-4 abusing the initiative with vigilance. So you don't even have to lose access to the mana. Yeah, I know. So it comes in, let's say, I think after the second dungeon or whatever, like it, it quickly becomes a, like a five, a five, four or whatever. Yes. You get to the first attack. one is getting a basic. And then the next, I, I think the next one is damage. I think the next one is a choice. I think you can put a two plus one plus one counters. on. Gotcha. It. Or do like five damage or something. Something like that. Yeah. But like, so it becomes a five, four that attacks. A five, and, six. Yeah. A five, six. And you still get to tap it for mana. Yeah. You don't even have to take a mana disadvantage to punch someone for three to five. Correct. Card's very, very strong. It is very strong. Um, Fury, we've talked about endlessly. Uh, then we've got Minsk and Boo, which we've also talked about endlessly. <laughs> Man, Furies are expensive. I wish I'd bought Fury. Yeah. I have the blue one, the white one, and the black one. I have one Endurance and no Furies. Yep. Um, once Upon a Time's... Uh, so Once Upon a Time is very important in this deck. Oh, it's amazing. But it's also one of those, like... This feels a lot like casting it is also going to feel a lot like casting in games two and three with elves where like you're going to see a lot of cards you want and they're going to put get put right on the bottom. Yeah, but, but the upside is your starting hand is 12 cards or 11 cards, basically. Yeah. It's how much? How, sorry, I keep interrupting you. Finish. Basically, it's just it's much better because this deck is all in on turn one, yes, which is, is exactly when it wants to happen. Yeah. So like I said. It's not going to be nearly as good. It's it's more important than it is in elves, but mm -hmm. it's also going to and you're you're still probably never going to miss. Oh yeah. But it's one of those things like from personal experience when you're just like I take them out in games two and three because I bring in a bunch of spells, right? Yep. And the worst thing in the world is like once upon a timing your fucking sideboard card to the bottom of the deck. Yep. You're going to have situations where that happens, but it's worth it in this. Whereas in el in elves, I don't. In games two and three, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I want those sideboard cards because they do a lot of work. In this, you probably still leave it in. I don't know for sure. But like, and to be fair, they do have plenty of, uh, they've got at least a couple creatures. And it's mostly spells, just the fairy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you need it. Having an opening hand of 11 cards, mm -hmm. assuming you don't mulligan, it's huge. What, in a deck that wants to go all in on turn one. What I see when I see that is your opening hands are going to fall into one of two categories. Either I've got, um, I've got too much man in my hand. And no creature to pay off. I bet there's one five deep. Or I've got a sweet four drop. If only I had one more Lotus Petal. Mm -hmm. And like that is such a perfect solution to either one of those scenarios. Where yeah. I'm more than likely on the numbers, you're going to hit a soul land and two spirit guides. Because you got eight of each. So on the numbers, you'll hit one and then one and one. And it's like, man, I wish I had I wish I had one of my great four drops. Hope there's one in the next five fucking cards. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. Like I said, it's super fucking good. Especially in this deck. This deck is so insane. It's just one of those things where you're also occasionally going to end up with a perfect hand and that card, you cast it and there goes like, you've got the perfect chalice hand and you cast, it's just, it, it does create weird scenarios and it's something I don't want to like just brush over. Obviously the card's just retarded good. 
Like it's really fucking good. Yeah, especially as in this deck, it's where you're just like you're so likely to have two of the three pieces. Yeah, and I just need any one more piece. <clears throat> and it it really helps that your mana is creatures. Like yeah, that's, that's one what I'm saying. The, yeah, I it know. finds Lotus Petal. Yeah, which is big. Yeah, big, big. You big. can well, and it allows you to really like you can have borderline unkeepable hands if it resolves because like you've got your four drops and like nothing else you got four drops in one land in a once upon a time yep. like hitting a soul land in a spirit guide it's not that unlikely and nope. now all of a sudden you've got four mana yep now we're good now you're good to go so uh so we've got that uh chalice we talked about i mean it's chalice of the void it's a legacy podcast yep. chalice of the void uh chrome mox again chrome mox is a great card but I, in my opinion it's probably the best designed mocks were like legitimate cost it is a legitimate cost it still sees a decent yep. amount of play so like clearly it doesn't suck and it's one of those where like how the only other one that sees i personally think mox diamond is probably a little too good like as far as it just yeah, like because it makes any color right it makes well so does chrome mox but well no it doesn't it doesn't make any color but in the decks that play it, it often does it makes a color that matters most of the time right don't get me wrong. I know it doesn't make any color, mm-hmm. but you know, it makes red or it makes green <laughs> most yeah. of the time. Yep. I've been fucked in black, red reanimator a couple times, yeah. but most of the time it's good. Where I'm, my only comparison is like, well, Mox Diamond is never not right. Yeah. And this right. is most of the time right. The problem with Mox Diamond though is oftentimes, at least where it actually sees play, it doesn't actually really cost you a card. No. <laughs> it, it, costs you, it costs you next turn land drop this turn. Right, but in if you look where it sees a lot of play, it's decks that use life from the loam. Yep. So like you don't even, actually. Yeah. Well, I was say even if it did, even if it did cost you a land, like you're not down any resources. I wanted that land to be tapping for mana. Well, now right. it is. Right. Whereas Chrome Mox, you are legitimately down resources because you're down a spell you probably wanted to cast, and you're limited on the mana it can produce. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think it's a very well designed yeah. Mox. It, yep. There's a, there's very good costs to it. Another thing that's great about these Elvish Spirit guides is they also go right underneath the Chrome they Mox. Sure do. <laughs> Which a lotus petal doesn't. Nope. Uh, I should say Elvish and Simeon. Call them spirit guides. Uh, then we got two Trinosphere guard we mentioned last week talking about this stuff. Yep. Um, and then Fable the Mirror Breaker, which obviously is not a prison piece, but is just a fantastic fucking three drop. It's amazing. So, uh, lands talked about this a ton. I mean, it's going to make perfect sense. We got four uh, ancient tomb, four cavern of souls, four city of traitors. All of those make perfect sense. Yep. Uh, forest, a mountain, a tega, and three wooded foothills. It makes sense to have the mountain and tega. You are a blood moon. You're a blood moon yep. deck. Mm-hmm. I get not, but well, you're a magus of the moon deck. But yeah, you're a blood. You're it's blood moon. You got blood you got moon inside. Blood moon inside yeah. Yeah. You're a blood moon deck. So being able to, the the mountain is actually the weirdest one because like everything else becomes a mountain. The forest makes more sense to me. You're gonna have mountains. The mountain to me, I look at that and I go, well, wasteland does exist. That's true. Wasteland is a card. <laughs> and if you look at the deck, like almost all of it's red. There's a yep. couple. There's a couple green cards. There's really literally there's one. There's really, sideboard sideboard has a couple. Mainboard has one. Yeah. Well, you got the adventure. In theory, you could cast once upon a time. Oh, and Minx and Minsk and Boo. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You got adventure and Minsk and Boo. Um, but yeah, there's we're not casting once upon a time. I've it done is castable. plenty of times. It's very castable. You're playing elves. That doesn't count. I mean, you cast it and it's like I love this in instant. Once too. it's on the stack, it's a really fucking good cantrip. It is. <laughs> It's not even a sorcery. I know. The card's fucking good. It should so be a sorcery. Eh. It doesn't need to be. Green doesn't need to be any weaker. That card does, though. Not really. I would disagree there. It's narrow enough. It's 
to me, Once Upon a Time is perfectly designed for the legacy power level, which is why it's banned everywhere else. And yeah, <laughs> it was it was a standard card. I know. But that statement is probably true, but it was a standard card. Yeah, but this Once Upon a Time, like, legacy is where it should be. Like, if you just made a set called Legacy Masters, like... Something like Once Upon a Time something could be in once, there. Yeah, like, Green's like, hey, I should get a cantrip too. And yeah. it should cost one more because, you know, blue gets to be the best at everything. Yep. But, but it, it does get to be free sometimes. It does get to be free sometimes. Yeah. It gets to be free when it really fucking matters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, sideboard, Pyroblast, uh, which, uh, well, no, I haven't seen six Pyroblasts in any fucking sideboards lately. I haven't. Um, so two Pyroblasts, two Run Afoul, Veil of Summer, Blood Moon, Fairy. Worth noting, Run Afoul kills Atraxa. Run Afoul kills a lot of things. There's a lot of things that matter. Yep. Kills a Murktide. Kills a Delver. Kills a Delver. Both those matter. Kills, kills a Traxa. Kills a Traxa. Kills Merit Lage. Kills yep. uh, Grizzlebrand. Sure does. Uh, does Emrakul have flying? Kills an Archon. Kills an Archon. I don't think Emrakul has flying. So. No. Oh, no. Maybe it does. No, it does not. I know it for a fact because I know of a story where a clue. Uh, uh, what's the tracker? What's the tracker that makes clues? Uh, tireless tracker. Tireless. Tra I know a story where a tireless tracker blocked it and killed it. Got to sacrifice enough clues. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. He sacked him to the annihilator mm -hmm. and then blocked it and killed it. Gotcha. So it doesn't have flying. <laughs> but no, it run afoul is an amazingly yeah. good card, especially as a sideboard card. Yep. It's a lot of things that matter. It's a very good edict effect in green. Mm -hmm. Well, green. Uh, you may not know this. Green has a long history of like oh, anti flying. Well, it's a, yeah. It's a, it's allowed to kill creatures. With flying. Yeah. Plummet <laughs> is the classic. Like, yeah. Like, Plummet is the green kill a thing with flying. Well, Wing Snare is the fucking, the old Is it the OG one? one? Yeah. Just, it's the same thing. Destroy target creature with flying, but I think it costs three for sorcery. Well, Plummet is an instant that costs two. Yeah, well, of course it is. Better. Yep. Run of Fowls is fucking way run better. Run of really good. So, yeah. Excited to see this. Fiery Confluence, Force of Vigor, Kozilek. You going to brush over Kozilek in the sideboard? You know what that's there for? Hmm. What are we going to fucking spend six mana on? The game is stalled out. We completed a dungeon. What am I going to blow six mana on? I guess. Butcher of Truth. That, I don't know. No one's milling. We're not doing milling this. Oh, I don't mean, get me wrong. I, well. That's exactly. That's not true. The, it does. It. Uh, Rhinestone. Rhinestone exists. Painter has been an incredibly popular deck recently. Yeah. And so. It's the most castable one. It's the most castable one. But like, we've got six mana. Fuck it. Let's cast cause like and in fairness, painter has been very popular lately. Yeah. I think it's more painter than yeah, you're what right. to do with the mana. Because like if it was just what can I spend 10 mana on? Uh, I'd rather have other stuff. I'm don't get me wrong. If you have the 10 mana to spend, obviously cause like a good card to have. I wouldn't run a card on the off chance that I've completed Here. the dungeon. Hear me out. And tapping for six and I'm still not winning the game. <laughs> It does draw more cards than Atraxa and Elves most of the time. It does. So, But it's not green. Each so. card is lower quality, but it does draw more of them. Not green. Can't green Sun Zenith it out. Or Natural Eat. Order it Just out. Just run Painter. <laughs> now we're getting real deep. <laughs> run Painter, not Grindstone. Right. So you can Natural Order well, Kozilek. Yeah, we don't want to put bad cards in our deck. No, 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 no. So, anywho, next up, Reanimator with uh, no Atraxa. Hey, look. Eight creatures with flying. <laughs> hey, look. Yep. <laughs> Oh, Run is pretty good. Run is pretty strong. Uh, uh, yeah, lead the way you always do on Reanimator. Yeah. Um. So three grief. 
what is it, three grief and four unmask, three thoughtseize. So kind of a weird split, but still, ten, what, ten discard effects. Like, this is, um, this is kind of the old reanimator now, because, like, the new one's running attracts. Like, attracts has been the new, um, reanimation target of choice, and I think I would 100% in the main board run an Atraxa over a Sarah's Emissary. Um, Sarah's Emissary is good. Like, I don't, I, I think there's too many just fucking bombs that we're, we need to be running sideboard reanimation targets in the main board. Sarah's Emissary is obviously phenomenal. It's the one where when it ETBs, you choose a card type and you have pro that card type. Yep. So, like, I have protection from creatures. You and your permanence, by the way. Mm hmm. Um, but, like, that's such a sideboard creature. That's, that's like running Iona. Like, you would never run Iona in the main. I have pro green. That's great against a few decks. And you run, like, you run that against decks that matter. Um, I'm a huge proponent of the Atraxa reanimation strategy. Um, just because Grizzlebrand gets so much worse as the game gets long. What is now what is relevant, this is a black red, primarily, not a blue black. There and he does have one underground C in there though. And show and tell's in the side. And show and tell in the side, yes. Yeah. So he does have a show and tell package in the side, but the Atraxa is definitely better suited for the few turns on average slower blue black deck. Because, as we talked about, the biggest problem with blue-black is it goes too slow. And and literally, when you go a few turns too slow, your life total is, is very possibly, especially in Legacy these days, low enough that Grizzlebrand's not good enough. A 7-7 seven, seven that you have to go to 5 life to draw 7 cards, that's too low. Whereas something like Archon obviously stabilizes really well in those situations. And Atraxa draws you the cards anyway. You have all the body. You have a better body. You have just legitimately a better body. Yep. And you have most of the cards, or at least you have the same number of cards that mattered. Because with Grizzlebrand, you're going to draw some chaff, whereas Atraxa, you don't draw any, you don't draw as much chaff because you, again, card quantity is lower, but card quality is way higher. So like I'm, I, I'm a big fan of the Atraxa and that Sarah's emissary spot. Um, maybe a second, but at least one. Like if you're going to put in one creature to go get something, I don't know, Atraxa is just better there. Four Grizzlebrand, three Archon makes sense. Uh, the rest of the deck looks very standard. Yeah. Nothing really interesting going on the sideboard. Like the Dothy Voidwalker is some of the most interesting stuff we've seen in a sideboard because, like, why? What are you hitting with a Dothy Void? Like, what are you running down here with your fucking two mana 3 2 in your black red reanimator deck that wants to go turn one or two? Because I don't know. Gotta just be like a. No. Just. Yep. I don't know either. Like what doomsday? The only thing I can think of is just like graveyard decks. Doesn't even hit doomsday. Like what? What great? What like? But what graveyard decks? Like unless like is that your tech against Delver to keep the graveyard empty? The deck that runs four lightning bolts, four days. <laughs> like I, whatever. Um, to be fair, it would be decent against reanimator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're and this deck can absolutely drop it on turn one. It can, but like we have zero leyline of the void. Well. I know, but it's actually probably better than Leyline of the Void because Reanimator decks can typically kill the Leyline of the Void, and they don't have—they're not going to be planning on killing a three-two, but not quickly enough. Most in a, in a Reanimator, sorry, in a, in a, if we're talking about the Mirror, I don't think a Reanimator deck—if one Reanimator deck has to play against Leyline and one doesn't—I don't think the even though I even though you you've got Leyline, I can answer it. But it's going to take me a couple turns, and like, <laughs> that's a couple turns too many. Um, now, the example would be like, if, I mean, like, if we're, you know, if we're both playing and 
you slam your ley line and can't go for it fast enough, and I can slam my Dothy, that might hold you back a while. But it just seems like a weird place to, to spend two sideboard slots, especially when you have two Fairy Macabre. And two, you do the two Serenity, which makes sense, but you already have two Fairy Macabre. And like that's also that's a wonderful and that's that's about as good as it gets for reanimator hate. Uncounterable, instant speed, very difficult to interact with at all. I've played a lot of games like like I've gone into a lot of games like two and three where in game one they showed me a fairy macabre. Or well, let's say it'd be game two, but one game win game one, lose game two to a fairy macabre, and it's like, how the fuck do I play around that? And I don't know. I don't know how to play around fairy macabre. Well, you have to get them to discard it before you put anything in yeah. the graveyard. Uh, yeah, the answer is unmask. Yeah. Unmask and thoughts is one of But like, whew, that's your only line. You, well, yeah. Well, well, and to be fair, that's the. It's very similar to um, surgical in that regard. Yeah. Where like you have to once you know you're playing against it, or if you just want to play around it, you have to clear the way first. Yeah. It's kind of it's more similar to like trying to resolve something against a force of will than it is against like a ley line of the void. Where like ley line of the void telegraphs itself. It's in yeah. play. I I you just don't go it. off. This is I have to just get, you know, thought Caesar unmask you. Uh-huh. Make sure I'm good and then go yeah. off before you draw another card. Yep. I love the one chancellor too. Yeah. Like fuck it. <laughs> Maybe I'll hit it. To be fair, I mean, Chancellor's obnoxious as fuck when it's resolved. It is, but like <laughs> it's so fucking like, uh, I so that so now we're back into the like I, my brain my brain runs through the uh, the Atraxa and Elves thing where it's like, in what world am I chasing down the Chancellor of the Annex reanimation? To be package? fair, Reanimator has often had a bunch of uh, several like, um, oh, Silver Bullet style silver creatures. Bullets. I don't think Chancellor's one of them. I think Chancellor always had a str- very very strong place as protection, and I was a big fan of the four Chancellor. Like, just like turn one, fuck your force of will. Hope you have two, but maybe you know it's really good against elves. It is very good against because it's everything, right? Yeah, it's whenever he casts a spell, like the turn one Chancellor is actually brutal against elves. Do you know what's better against elves? Well, well not necessarily. Sarah's emissary, but not necessarily. You have removal. Yep. Especially, especially new elves. New elves has a lot more removal in the main board, especially. Yep. Yeah, you can't count on it necessarily sticking. Whereas, like, again, if we're talking about snuff out, then obviously they can just pay the one of the four life. But then the other thing dies to snuff out too. Mm-hmm. Um, or it just doesn't do anything. <laughs> you could name instant. But <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Your attracts us slightly worse. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah. And then your show and tell package, wear and tear, Magus of the Moon. Pretty standard stuff. Yep. Uh, fifth place, Cephalid Breakfast. Let's see if there's anything new here. Pivoting, changing, kind of see anything. How about that power crept monk tutor? Yeah, there's that step through. <laughs> Dying on that hill. Feel free. <laughs> Fact. Step through better than demonic tutor in the right duck. And even that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm not convinced it's better than Demonic right, Tutor. Let's do <laughs> You're telling me you wouldn't take a slightly a more narrow Demonic Tutor that was uncounterable and cost colorless colorless. I'm not convinced it's better. Being able to hit the other sides of your combo pieces matters. Also instant speed. Yeah, it is. Don't get me wrong. There's so many things going for it. And I don't want to say instant speed doesn't matter, but it's not as big of a deal. Mm. I mean, it is, but... it. You're talking about a deck that primarily does commit stuff to the board anyway. Like, but it's a it's a I, super I fast it. combo. I know. Deck. Don't don't get me wrong. I get it. 
I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It literally always matters. But we're talking about a specific comparison. Mm -hmm. I think I would still rather have the ability to find any fucking card in this deck. Okay, your opponent's about to win next turn. Uh, Sure would be nice to have an Orm's chant. Oh, wait. Uh (laughs) Demonic Tutor, as opposed to, well, I could pay two and get a wizard. (laughs) Like, wow. Presumably, I mean, I'm getting a wizard and the funny thing is, winning this turn. As an EDH player, I think you would understand the power of Demonic Tutor. I am, but I'm looking at it in the con. Well, I, I the huge asterisks in this deck. Yeah, I know. In this deck, oh, and, and, I know. Yeah, yeah. Because because don't get me wrong. As soon as we look at like just like a deck that doesn't revolve around a wizard, <laughs> Demonic Tutor is way fucking better. But yeah, I would the in the strict, strict narrow hallway of Cephalid Breakfast. Very narrow hallway. Around, surrounded by an ocean of demonic tutors. <laughs> <laughs> this narrow pathway. This narrow and, bridge. You know, I would actually agree with you if Demonic Tutor was search your library for a non-wizard card. <laughs> If it can still also just it can still also, but it's not days, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, no. Sideboard: Blue Elemental Blast, Flusterstorm, Hydro Blast. Yeah, it looks pretty. It looks like a, yeah. a pretty standard breakfast list. Yep. What the fuck is going on here? So now we've got some more spice. This is kind of why we're breezing through the old decks. Uh. So we've got this Arena Rector initiative deck. Yeah. So. Mono white initiative. Okay. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically mono white initiative with some opposition agents. So we've got anointed peacekeeper, elite spellbinder. Yep. Those uh, are your hate pieces. Yep. Well, get, and the third one. Yeah. And then opposition agent. So you've got some like hate bears there. Then we've got recruiter of the guard to dig all this shit out. Including. Yep. Uh, does it make sure? Yep. So including. Arena Rector. Yep. Then we've got Bone Shards and Cabal Therapy to sacrifice the Arena Rector. Mm-hmm. They get Kaya, Intangible Slayer, Nickel Bolas Planeswalker, or Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Yeah. So, like, this guy was like, you know what? Minsk and Boo is overrated. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> My four drop's gonna cast a ten drop. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are doing. So, people probably know what Ugin the Spirit Dragon does. People might know what the, like the, uh, that's not OG Nickel Bolas, but the seven man Nickel Bolas, where it's, you can destroy a non creature permanent, gain control of a creature, or minus nine Nickel Bolas Planeswalker deals seven damage to target player. That player discards seven cards, then sacrifices seven permanents. Yeah. So target player basically loses the game. Yep. Which it does ultimate, it does take two turns to ultimate for that. That's relevant. Kaya the Intangible, but a lot of people don't know what this fucking thing does. So it's from the new Phyrexia All We One. It is a it costs three white, white, black, black, seven mana for a hexproof planeswalker with six loyalty, plus two. Each opponent loses three life, you gain three life. Okay. Plus zero, or I guess it's zero. You draw two cards, then each opponent scries one. Whatever. Here's the one that is here's the one that matters. Minus three. Exile target creature or enchantment. If it wasn't an aura, create a token. That's a copy of it. Except it's a 1-1 white spirit creature with flying in addition to its other types. So, obviously there's lots of instances where Nicol Bolas and Ugin are just better. Yeah. But um, what's better than killing your opponent's Grizzlebrand? Yeah. Having your own. (laughs) Yeah, I was... It took me a second. Um, In my head, I was inputting creature you control. Oh, yep. 
and I was going through this and I'm like, oh, and then I read it again. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because it uh, uh, kills a creature and then steals it. <laughs> yes. You yeah. get a one one copy of it. So yeah. um, definitely. I mean, for sure, the weakest planeswalker of the three, but still a very powerful. The, the, probably the biggest thing about planeswalkers is hexproof. Mm-hmm. It is hexproof. It um, it lightning helixes every turn. It does provide card advantage, and it also just steals your your opponent's best creature. It gets yeah. rid of the problem, and it gives you a copy. Yeah, it's definitely the grindiest one and the least inevitable. Something also relevant you can do. You can do it to a creature you control, and just you can keep doing it. Yeah. So if you, you can keep getting ETBs. I've seen this on uh, Arena, but like, yeah, like I will. I've seen him. Like, I'll steal your Atraxa. Nothing else to do. I guess I'll Atraxa again. Exile my own Atraxa. Make another Atraxa. Yeah. Um. Now, every time you take the initiative, you uh, venture into the dungeon, right? Yes. So every turn, you can do it twice. Yes. You For can a, keep, a couple times. Well, you can keep. Yeah. Like, obviously, you your loyalty of your plane. Eventually, you're going to kill your Kai. But you but can yeah. get extra. Dungeon you can actually well. yep, you can loop your you can now you're trading your you know you're trading your seasoned dungeoneer for a one one yeah which is relevant but you could and then there are situations where like you're one dungeon away from winning or you're one dungeon step away from winning like I said definitely the weakest planeswalker of the three but still a very powerful planeswalker that is also it's basically impossible to remove the other thing it does if you're in the right matchups you do have a bunch of other ETBs here so like you could. You have a like, say you grabbed your arena rector with a recruiter of the guard. You can grab Kaya, copy your arena rector, get another, or copy your recruiter of the guard, get another arena rector. Yep, and do it again. Yep, like if you have time for this kind of thing. Yeah, if you're in a grind, if you're grinding it out. Yeah. So again, we're just you're all you're you're always just looking for lines of play in these kind of things because yep. you never just want to look at a card as the nine like the ninety percent is obvious. Yeah, the ninety percent is grab nickel plus. Yeah. Destroy two non, you know, destroy a couple things and win the fucking game. Yep. <laughs> or grab Ugin, wipe the fucking board with for a minus, and then lightning four. bolt them to death. Yep. And like, then bolt them to death. Right. So like, you know, you go okay, Ugin for go wide, Nickel Bolas for go tall, Kaya for grindy, Kaya for yep, Kaya for something weird. Yeah. And there's the you know costs you almost nothing to have it in your yep um, pretty much deck. Sideboard we've got Chalice of the Voids, Guy's Blessing, Painter. Uh, unlicensed hearse, Lauren of the Third Path, Lorraine of the Third Path, Lauren, uh, Lauren, uh, two plague engineer and four leyline of the void. The only thing I think you, you brushed over is there's four pedal, two two oh, diamond. Yeah, just uh, there are there's some acceleration for the. Uh, it does have it only has four ancient tombs. It doesn't have any um, city of traders. City of traders, but you do have six fast manas to help power stuff out. Yep. Still, from Phyrexian towers is another way to sacrifice the uh, arena record. Oh, yep, that's true. So, like, it's got some cool stuff in here. This is a neat deck. Uh, well done, Hank the Obese. Yep. We see his name popping up all the time, so. Yep, he obviously knows what he's doing. Yeah. Then we've got Doomsday next. How long do you think the episode is already? Uh, it's probably a well over an hour. Hour and a half. Yep. Hey, well, we've been having short episodes. We have. And now there's something to <laughs> well, fucking talk about. <laughs> this is what happens when Legacy has an interesting top eight. Like, guys, yep. like, realize if they were to fix Legacy, we'd have a five-hour fucking podcast. Right. Imagine if they fix Legacy in Modern. We <laughs> we have to do it in two parts. There we go. So Doomsday, 
Or we'd have to shut the fuck up and actually just talk about legacy and modern. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but that doesn't seem Nobody very likely. Nobody wants that. Every time I hear someone listen, and, and clearly we have, the, the audience we have is because of who we are, but like every time someone comments and sends an email or hits in the Discord, they're like, you know what I fucking love? I love the repertoire between Matt and Jake, and they just bullshit about stupid shit sometimes. And it's like, well, good news, there's more to come of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Doomsday, let's go through here. Hey, Knight's look. Whisper is probably the most interesting Profane pickup. Tutor. That's a this seems like a much worse demonic tutor. <laughs> in the I'm very not speci- going to give it up. In the very specific oh, I w- No, I'm not talking breakfast. about the whispers thing. I'm talking about we had a debate whether or not demonic tutor would oh, see play in legacy. I know. And probably there's one. Probably one. one. One profane yeah, tutor. Th- there's one because profane tutor sucks. <laughs> <laughs> How many of that do you think there would be? I mean, hmm. You know what would be really cool? Now, turn two demonic no, tutor. No, turn listen three here. Doomsday. Listen here. <laughs> Profane tutor, arguably better than demonic tutor in some situations. If you've got Cascade. Because it allows you, if you have time, to demonic tutor for free. On that turn, yes. Don't on get me the, wrong. On the turn it resolves. And that's demonic tutor. The argument against demonic tutor is making everything in your deck cost two more. It is is very face up. I, I mean, for the most part, you don't see the card, but like, if I know what deck you're playing, I, I probably know somewhat what you went to get. So it's very face up, and it makes whatever you went to get cost two more, which means you're probably not playing it this turn, unless we're really late in the game. Now, because it is a hell of a top deck. Here is my retort to that. You can effectively still do that with Demonic Tutor. If you have enough mana. Well, you can, so Profane Tutor costs two to cast. It does, same cost. It you takes can, two turns. So cast it's, Demonic Tutor on turn two, and then still wait two turns to go off, which is exactly what Profane Tutor does. Uh, yes, you are susceptible. Well, I, you do miss out on some information in between there. You do. Uh, you are susceptible to hand disruption. You oh, are. That, that's very minor, though. Yep. In, in in fairness, that's very minor in Legacy right now. Um, so you can still, for the most part, pursue that line where just because you, like, just because you're casting Demonic Tutor on turn two doesn't mean you necessarily on the turn you. You don't have to go off on the turn you do it. And in fact, a lot of people don't. I mean, you've seen me do it a dozen times in EDH where it's like, I'm going to demonic tutor for something. doesn't mean I'm going to cast it this turn or it's yeah. just I want it in my hand. And a lot of times what you end up doing is you cast it when you have the mana open. Yeah. So I mean, you, and you can't like, like obviously in Legacy you can, but the art, like that's the, the argument is a lot. It's a lot more of a difficult argument in Legacy that, yeah, you just, because again, I agree late game. It's a phenomenal, like demonic tutor is one of the best top decks in the end of the game. Because you got six mana. <laughs> <laughs> I think Demonic Tutor might be better. Because you can Demonic Tutor for Express Federation. <laughs> but no, um, obviously. And that to me, that's even debatable. Like in the right fucking deck, sometimes drawing the best two of the best, the best two out of three is better than just any one. Mm. Like, not always, but well, sometimes it, it is. Yeah, sometimes. In the situation where you have, let's say you got four mana left over, maybe. Maybe, but... I'll give you a perfect example. You're going to die next turn, and they're at six. Bolt, bolt. Yep. That's a... Again, we're talking about corner cases. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have... Yeah, you're correct. You have goldfish a situation where expressive iteration is better. Allow me to goldfish a situation where step through is better. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Uh, the, no, Do- Doomsday it looks the same. Yeah, Doomsday looks the same. Uh, the reason that I brought that up is something I think we probably we talked about a little bit, but like 
you and I were talking about it a, a day or two ago. Uh, expressive iteration versus predict. And uh-huh. one of the one of the things that fucking sucks about predict is when everybody's hell bent and you draw predict. Yeah. And like, there's nothing on the board. There's no no way to make it better. Expressive iteration is just fucking bonkers oh, yeah. in that situation. And yeah, no comparison. Like, yeah. Um, I think w- my argument against that would be is the number of times that isn't the case. Uh, that is a 3% of the time, 5% of the time where everyone's hell bent and there's no information to be had. Um, but that's true. So actually go back to that uh, doomsday list. Yeah, I'm, I didn't leave it. Um, why do we have two bolus citadel? Are we going to, I guess the plan, like, I mean, we have four cabal ritual and uh, four dark ritual. Like, are we seriously committing two separate slots in our main deck to ritual, ritual, Bolas's citadel? Well, it's also got tendrils of agony in it. Yes. So, like, we just smushed a tendrils, Bolas's citadel line into our deck? I guess. So, does, the, does this deck have any way to manipulate the top? Because the deck, because you can easily get just, so you have ponder, preordain, and brainstorm. Okay. Like, it's really easy to get stuck on both still just hitting two lands. Mm-hmm. We only got 15. Like, I mean, I guess that's that's pretty fucking good. You have pretty low chances there. So, but yeah, like, that's just a weird. I, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen a Tendrils Bolasa Citadel line inside of a Doomsday package, which that is kind of interesting. Yeah. This is kind of a weird deck now that we look at it. Yeah. Well, now that I caught, I, um, do they, does it normally run Cabal Ritual? I don't think so. Normally you run dark ritual. Like, yeah, you normally three, you have dark three ritual. Three is the magic number. Yeah. And so we've got, we've like smushed Tess into, well, it's not like Tess because like Tess runs, uh, Tess runs Past in Flames and Ant runs Ad Nauseam. So like, I don't know what we've smushed, like we've taken the Tendrils package and just smushed it into Doomsday because there's room, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Like, Doom, like you just have less piles. You're much narrower on the piles you have, but you also have this, like when, they, when they go like beef. graveyard hate, graveyard hate, graveyard hate. I guess that no, it doesn't even work. Like, because graveyard hate, graveyard hate doesn't stop Doomsday. So, like, what are you playing around when you play when you're going for a Bullet Citadel Tendrils line over a Thought Historical Doomsday line? I mean, are you losing? Like, you could say like, oh, you're playing around not casting a three mana sorcery. You're casting a six mana sorcery. Right. Yeah. I, I've got nothing here. I'm too dumb. Um, Bryant Cook, since you definitely listen to our podcast, please reach out and tell me. Well, yeah, that's why he's so good at magic. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> uh, please reach out and tell me why this is happening. Or anyone. Rounding out the top eight, two mm-hmm. hours into this fucking podcast, we've got Mono Red Prison. Now Are you sure it's not Delver? It... <laughs> we haven't talked about Delver yet, though. Yeah, I know. That's uh, kind of the beauty of this top eight. Well, we have to go 12th place, then. Yeah. Let's go all the way. Let's go every deck to 12th. There's also Death and Taxes back in the top 32. Surprise. Nice. Um. Although, to be fair, I was That was one. I know they're not the same deck, but I was like, well, I mean... Mono white initiative. It's not death and taxes, but it is a mono white deck. And I'm like, oh, that seems like a fair trade. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. Again, I know for everybody out there, I know they play differently. I know they have different, but it was just like, well, cool. No, crucify him. Right. Hell, a lot of them ran the same fucking cards. <laughs> yeah. Um. So mono red prison. We've got rabble master. We've got Lelia the blade reforged. Yep. So this is a this is an interesting card I've seen popping into. Some uh, red stompy decks. Three mana, two, two with haste. Whenever it attacks, exile top card of your library. You may play it this turn. So some pseudo card advantage there. And then whenever one or more cards are put into exile from your library and or graveyard, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. Yeah. So she's so it's effectively a, a three, three. It's a three mana, three, three. It also gets bigger whenever anything gets exiled. Uh, like Simeon Spirit Guide. 
um like chrome mock well no chrome mocks um no and it's gotta it's gotta be from your library or your graveyard so yeah, we'll yeah i'm sorry it doesn't hit your hand so yeah um it uh Basically, it gives you a free card every turn. Most it gives turns. you a free card every turn. Yeah, it, <clears throat> and it's it, bigger it, every turn. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't pair with like the Chrome Mox or the. It does pair with light unlicensed hearse quite well. You can yep. use unlicensed hearse to buff it, which yep. is why you've got two in the main here. Uh, it's an interesting. Again, like you're fighting for the like, in those three mana because it's it's a Goblin Rabble Master and what's the other one Legion War Boss. Yeah, it's fighting. For, it's it's taking that Legion War Boss slots. Where you still have two Legion War Boss and two Layla, where oddly enough, it adds the exact almost the same amount of power every turn. Yeah, it was, that's what I was gonna say is the the Rabble Master and uh they do obviously they do different things. Yeah, Rabble Master attacks if it's if if it's if it untaps with it, attacks for slightly more every turn. Right. Because it makes a one one and then mentors. Right. This one allows you to go really tall though. Yep, you go really tall and and your generates card advantage. You're drawing cards. Yes. Which is something like yes, you're making goblins and that is card advantage, um, but I if you in most scenarios if you'd ask me whether or not I wanted a one one goblin token or a card off the top, I'd say a card off the top. Yeah, me too. So, and you're still you're not giving up that card for you're not giving up your power to get that card. No, nope. you get both. You get slightly less power because you're not getting slightly. a one one plus a buff. And what's, just, kind of, what's kind of funny is so you have to you have to think about where you are getting less power. But you're getting more power right away because it attacks for three. So uh, Legion Warboss comes in and attacks for one because you make a goblin that attacks. This comes in and attacks for three. Yeah. So you're attacking for two more damage. In subsequent turns, uh, Legion Warboss attacks for one extra damage than this card would, right? Because it makes a one-one anger. So it takes two turns of that to catch up. To catch up. Yeah. Which is, it's a very convoluted way of looking at it, but it makes sense why those cards fight for that same slot where you go, well, this one attacks for more in subsequent turns. Sort of, you're take it takes two turns to buy that back. In those two turns, you've drawn three cards. Yeah, and it is. I know we keep harping on it, but like the fact of the matter that this card, I don't want to say it replaces itself turn one, like the turn it comes down because oftentimes not. you're going to cast it on turn two, and you're you're probably not going to cast that card that was probably exiled. Not. But the next turn, you almost certainly are. Yep. Because like unless you just have way better shit to do, like you're gonna swing, see what's on top, and then decide what to cast. So yeah. it does replace itself relatively, relatively quickly, quickly. Whereas like Rabble Master or War Boss, they they come down, they get bolted, and you, you're yeah. stuck with a goblin token. Yep. Yeah, they both eat a goblin the exact same. I mean, realistically, if they're getting bolted, you're not getting a goblin token off Legion War Boss. Right. Like if it and comes to be down, fair, it if bolted. it gets bolted, you're not getting you're not gonna get that card, but if it gets like the like we said, a card is worth a little bit more. Yep. So like yeah, you gotta wait a turn, but the upside is bigger. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, the upside, like I, I think on these cards, because we always compare floor and ceiling, I think the floor on both of them is very, very comparable. And I think the ceiling on one of them is infinitely higher than the other one. The rest of this deck looks pretty solid. Like you do have a you have a caves. Yeah. That has been basically a staple for a while now. The new red. The, yeah. I think that one's just like it was debatable when it came out. I think initiative has just kind of shown itself to be like, yep, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't even talk about whether or not that card deserves a slot. Like I'll pay four for it. Sure. Uh, then Fury. Uh, then we got that Flip Land, Chalice of the Void, Chrome Mox, Unlicensed Hearst, Trinosphere, Blood Moon, and Fable the Mirror Breaker. Mm -hmm. So like I said, a lot of this stuff Dude, is pretty similar to that red green one. Look We're at all gonna... those amazing turn one plays. I know. Blood Moon, Fable, Trinosphere, Rabble Master, Layla, War Boss. Jesus, criminy. Yeah. I mean, Red Prisons, it's a just, it's a good deck and it has been for a long time. 
it just kind of pops in and out of the meadow, basically not solely dependent on it, but it's really heavily dependent on how good Chalice of the Void is when it sticks and how likely it is to stick. Mm-hmm. So, and it's one of those things. I mean, we talked about it for a while when like Prismatic uh, ending came out. It kind of shit all over Chalice of the Void. Yeah, it did. Because it's just I mean, like, Ch- let's be here. Chalice became unplayable overnight, yeah. and it still isn't that good compared to what it used to be. Like, I mean, I used to like I love playing blue white control, and I used to just fucking fold to a turn one Chalice. It's almost unbeatable in a yeah, lot of scenarios. Was, I mean, if, if you didn't force it, you were in deep shit. Yeah, and now it's like I mean, like it's it sucks, but if you commit a bunch of your resources to slamming a turn one Chalice. I have a lot of answers to that. I'm not afraid of it anymore. I can answer it on curve. Yeah. You pay two for it, I'll pay two to kill it. Yep. Um, the rest of the sideboard, pretty stock as well. Laughably. Even a chalice on one, two, and three. Like, that's okay. Yeah, I can overpay for it. I can just overpay. Yep. And the the only one that really matters is the one. Yeah. <laughs> like, the other two kind of matter, but not nearly <clears throat> not in the a, same sense. Not that much. So that's our top eight. Um, what an interesting top eight this week. Yeah, a lot of fun to talk about. I get about. very combo heavy, but like just so diverse and so uh, several interesting decks with some interesting card choices. Well, and this is, to be fair, this is exactly what people talk about when they say Delver polices the format. Yeah. And it's it's always been true, but there's a point where the police become oppressive, so to speak. <laughs> and it's just like, well, all there is is police. Uh-huh. Where now currently things are, it's just, you know, brand new meta so we're not you know this is not in a bad way but currently there's fucking all the shenanigans are out because yep. there's no cops yep so so i was just looking at those a couple delver decks for fun to see what kind of fell into that slot one of them has two predicts one of them has three mercurial spell dancers and a braid mm-hmm. um let me look at one more for fun i think there was three unless this was the mercurial no i think there's only two Oh shucks! Only two Delver in the top eight, and it's still or in the top thirty-two, and it's, the deck still exists. Like, yeah. So yeah, argue. I think Delver this week Delver is arguably the weakest it's going to be for the next like three months, and it's still top thirty-two. Yeah. Well, and it's it's one of those things where it it needs to find its footing, and the meta need because one of the things Delver does as well, not nearly to the degree that a control deck does, but it also tunes its deck a little bit to beat the meta mm-hmm. so we got to figure out what the meta is going to be tweak some numbers figure out what to replace expressive iteration with um obviously something's got to go my first instinct is chain lightning and i think i'm in the vast minority there but i just in the first couple weeks i just like to be aggressive so i just yep. want to be lightning bolting people i don't know if i mentioned that last week but um or like preordain or something i'm not very i think to predict is probably fine to tinker with to see if it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that's going to land. Uh, my instinct is to pick up a third color, go into either Rug or Grixis, mm-hmm. um, and see what that can give you. With I... all the Chalice of the Voids, I don't know if I'd go with... The problem with Chain Lightning or Preordain is the with Chalice everywhere. Be, not be, The funny thing is we talked about Chalice is weaker than it's ever been, but it's more prevalent than it's ever been because it's in the types of decks that want to be doing like a result say more prevalence probably strong uh, it used to be basically in one deck but that one deck was a was a much larger meta share not anymore but it was no what i'm saying no what i'm saying is red prison wasn't as big as the initiative decks are now i'm talking about death and taxes death and taxes didn't run chalice death and taxes wasn't your premier chalice deck what was red prison i could have sworn okay yeah. I, I'm just I'm just misremembering. 
and some goblin decks run it. Yeah, but it was primarily uh, Red Prison that ran Chalice. Um, no, uh, Ether Vile was what your Death and Taxes wanted to do on turn one, mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't run any Soul Lands or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's everywhere. Uh, not everywhere, obviously, but like these initiative decks all want to run it because they all are good. Yeah, Once you're all in on fast mana, there's no reason to not run the fucking yep. to be able to slam a turn one chalice or Trinisphere or, or whatever. Trans- yeah. Yeah, so, or Blood Moon. So, like, if you hate losing on turn one, this meta is probably not for you. Yep. Because there's combo or prison on turn one everywhere. So, I can't stress enough how much I want to play this 11th place deck. The Bant Stoneblade? Bant Stoneblade, baby. It looks like so much fun. Got, yep, two Stifle, three Days, I love Days, three Magic Fairy, Uro, Trune Nemesis, and Stoneforge Mystic to go get Batterskull Cauldra and Trailblazer's Torch. Uh, more initiative. <laughs> more initiative. A four-mana equipment that ETBs, you take the initiative, and then it makes whatever you have unblockable by Delver. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Or elves. Or any elves. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, I was looking at this because I st- seeing Stoneblade in a top top 16 is amazing. And then this is like this is a fun, fun Stoneblade deck to play. I don't know if I want to go over it, but like it just looks fun. Yep. Yeah, and like I said, there's Death and Taxes is back. Um, yep. D&T we got in 14th. Yep. D&T we got in 14th. Uh, we'll just go over the metagame summary. We can do most of these. Uh, so this is one of my favorite things I've seen in Legacy in a long time. Biggest category. Other. 25%. Realistically. Now. That's we, four. Yes. That needs to be four. Four of that is that red-green initiative, which yeah. is kind of what we were getting at. But that means, At the, the, start of that the, means the most prevalent deck was what, 12.5%? Yeah. Four of the top 32, which uh, again, I think 12.5% ballpark is where it's at. Because I think it's each one's like three change. Um, well, I'm just saying, if you cut 25% in half. Yeah, no. But I'm agreeing with you. Oh, I thought you were disagreeing. No, I'm agreeing with you. It's 12, it's ballpark. Yeah. I thought you were saying, well, actually, it's different because it's actually only three. I was like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I took, I took math several times in college because I, <laughs> I kept failing. <laughs> no. One. Deck is 3.12%. How do you know that? It says that at the bottom. It does. <laughs> Death it, Shadow, one deck, 3.12%. It, it does, in fact, say that at the bottom. <laughs> <clears throat> so we've got a uh, other, and then among the other ones were like these. So your Arena Rector deck was mm-hmm. other. Uh, there's this four color. What's this one? Uh, Unlucky Monkey. This. Yeah. So this is like a uh, Esper Control kind of deck, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Um, Snapcaster Mage back. Him to Turok Him back. Him to Turok, yep. And then of there's... Of course, Baleful Strix. Thank you. Oh, fuck yeah. There's a couple other, just to uh, round it out. The other one looks like Fiend Artisan Elves. Oh, yep. With a, with So with just, an Atraxa. Yep, with an Atraxa. And then we've got a Bant Control or Four Color Control. Yeah. Yep. Basically Bant with Minskin Boo. Snow Control. Oh, is it? Yeah, ice it is Ice Fang. Guadalupe. Double Ice Fangs. So yeah, the uh, one leyland binding. So Sorry. the most single most prevalent deck was that red green. Yep. Initiative. Then we've got eight cast, uh, death and taxes, cephalid breakfast, bant stone blade. Two of them, by the way. Yeah, no shit. Name's the second one. <laughs> Delver reanimator painter blue sun zenith elves, which actually had three because one was oh, miscategorized. Yep. Um, five color zenith. Death Shadow, Mono Red Prison, Sneak and Show, Doomsday, and the other. Man, what a wide meta share. Right. A little bit of everything going on there. A little bit of everything. 
Most played cards, Force of Will, 50%. Nice. Down to mm-hmm. 50. Um, Brainstorm, 44%. Like that. Ponder, 41%. Like that. Lotus Petal, 38%. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of... Lotus Petal's, Lotus Petal's a clear indication of shenanigans happening, but still. Oh, and that's Lotus Petal, and it's not including the Spirit Guys. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> the other eight Lotus Petals people are playing. Right. So, eh. yeah, <laughs> that's not great. <laughs> and then Ley Line of the and Void. Ley Line of the Void. Um, so, yeah, clearly there's some shenanigans going on. This is this is what I was talking about. So, you've got Lotus Petal. Top Creatures, Fury, 22%. Simeon Spirit Guide, 22%. So, effectively, Lotus Petals in 60% uh-huh. of decks. Plus another, uh, these there'll be some, now there is some overlap in there. It's not like yeah, yeah, one yeah. runs. So, like, obviously, it's not quite the same. You can't just add these up. Well, you, what you can say is there's 16 plus 24 is 40 plus 44. 84 copies of, quote, unquote, Lotus Petal in the yeah. top 32. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what is the maximum is what a, a 32 would be 100 and uh, 120. Yeah. 128 is the maximum total we could have, and we have like 84. <laughs> That's a lot. lot of fast mana. That's a lot. <laughs> you know, okay, so one of my favorite things about Futurama is whenever Fry gets in trouble, he goes, help, police. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I feel like legacy players are currently going, help, help police. <laughs> Someone did something, for God's sake. Right. <laughs> Oh shit! I haven't had so much fun talking about legacy in literally like a fucking year. Yeah, this is um, great. It is. It is very exciting to talk about. Um, so top creatures: Fury, Simeon, Spirit Guide, Fairy, Macabre, Caves of Chaos, Adventure, Stoneforge, Stoneforge Mystic, fifth most played creature. Love that card. That's amazing. It is. The other thing is Under Mountain Adventurer. <laughs> <laughs> Initiative is all and Caves of. We mentioned the Caves of Chaos yeah. Adventure. We're Both. already talking. Both of them are already in the, are in the top 10. Yeah. But that, again, we kind of go back to that, like this giving us a clue here. 16% of this meta was Caves of Chaos Adventure. Now, that's going to be split between the dedicated initiative decks and the Red Prison decks. Uh-huh. But... Well, you do also have 16% under Mountain Adventure, but there were... I think there's another deck running that as well. Yeah, because there was a green deck running that as well. Yeah, like Elves had one. Yeah. That probably so, adds towards that. Yeah. So, like, these things are not perfect measures but like that's still a lot of initiative mm-hmm. um, oh for anyone who's i instantly had a thought they're gonna be like your numbers are fucking wrong we're not counting sidewalk cards it's actually 75 times 32 gotcha yeah so it'd, be like, it'd be closer to 210 gotcha yep that just occurred to me like oh yeah it's, it's, it's actually Sideboard a 75 card exist. list so yeah. out of the 210 ish possible we're looking at 84 which is still a lot yeah. that's still over 30 percent yep Top spells, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lotus Petal, Leyline of the Void. So that is our hour-long legacy discussion. Yep, pretty much. No, hour and a half. We started 30 minutes in. Oh, gotcha. Well, let's talk about modern. So a a typical podcast episode is what we spent on legacy this week. Yep. Uh, modern probably will not be as long because it did not see significant bans over the weekend. It does have a lot of very normal decks in it. Um, if you go to the top 10, there's three creativity lists this week. Yay. But first place was Fur MTG with Crashing Footfalls. Actually, a deck that we haven't seen. Yeah, Crashing Footfalls mm-hmm. hasn't been around for We haven't. It's like that, it's the, the mid rangey, like pseudo combo deck that has like answers and shit that 
hasn't been taking the meta by storm like it used to. It's been outclassed by Living End, Indomitable Creativity, um, just better decks. Yeah, Indomitable Creativity seems to be where you want to be yep. in general if you're playing a combo deck. Yep. I love playing Reanimator. Indomitable Creativity is probably just the better Archon deck than Reanimator, but I do do love playing Reanimator. I'm not changing. Um, as for the as for the spell suite for this deck, it's it's pretty much it's it's Crashcade. There's not much in here going on that's interesting or different. Yeah, even um, the sideboard is pretty stock. Yeah, three, <laughs> four, four, four. A Cascade deck, we've said it a million times, there's only so many things you can have. Talking about sideboards. First, uh, I say first, like legit tangent. So First I was, modern tangent. <laughs> I was playing uh, Arena with that green-white deck, I'm still or that green-blue deck. I'm still working on it. Yeah. And I said, you know so what, this fuck is standard. it. This is now we're in standard, yeah. I was like, fuck it, I'll put four ley lines in there. And um, The sanct- ley line of sanctity? Ley line of sanctity, yes. And I went up against a mill opponent, and <laughs> did you just scoop? <laughs> I won game one, uh, very close. It was very, very close. But I ended up winning game one. And well, game they, one, you guys are both kind of doing the same thing, where you're yeah. just like racing and in, not interacting at all. Yeah, I think arguably I race faster yeah. because my opponent has ten life, his opponent has sixty. Yeah, but um, yeah, game two, I like mulligan to five or whatever, and slammed a la- he played a land. And then I went, or sorry, I slammed a ley line. He played a land and then thought for like 30 seconds and scooped. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, motherfucker, it all targets, don't it? Yep. Fuck you. These Target aren't even, player mills three cards. These Shit. aren't even here for you. Yep. Fuck off. That's one of the reasons why those, like, it's why you, I look at a card that mills and it's like those cards can be so fucking powerful because like they just the decks just fold to random good stuff yep like you have ley line of sanctity in your fucking sideboard and it shuts his whole well, deck off yep <laughs> like, I, the comparison you lose the comparison to me is um every time i see someone trying to make stifle not work and it's like why are you fighting so hard for a 12-12 that dies to literally every single removal in the format it dies to fucking a braid guys nostalgia yeah i'm not saying yeah but like and i get what i get what i make work i dude i'm trying to make fucking blue green infect work in standard and pioneer i get it but like you're fighting so hard for a one mana 12 12 with trample that is a two turn clock and dies to fatal push swords to plowshares prismatic ending abrupt decay abrupt decay <laughs> abrupt decay kills it like snuff out Snuff out. snuff out might it might say non-artifact non-black I don't i'm remember. pretty sure snuff out says non-black okay. some of back in the day a uh, lot i of, believe shriek yeah. is not artifact non-black yeah. but like and that's what like mill is in that same vein where like you are playing cards yeah, it's that, just non-black so it does die stuff out like there's a lot of cards that just like generically decent cards that just fucking hose you anything that shuffles anything that gives hex proof Counter spells are good against you because you do have a lot of good value mill, but you're really banking on those big ones. Yeah. Like removal, because one of the main strategies, at least in uh, Standard and Pioneer, is the crabs. Yep. Like, and they're very fragile. They're very fragile. So, yeah. It's, they also die to almost every removal. Spell. Pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, sorry, tangent aside. Um, but back into this, yeah, there's not much going on with that one. So, second place. What is labeled as four color aggro by Cantor Gianni. So it's a Gigantha list with four DRC, four Ragavan, seems strong, four Tarmogoyf, questionable, 
<laughs> put your hand down. No. <laughs> uh, one Haywire Might, one Tireless Tracker. So the most questionable cards in there are probably going to be Tarmogoyf. Um, oh, Tarmogoyf's better than Tireless Tracker. Think so? In general, yes. In the right deck. Now, obviously, if you're running a fucking landfall deck, then, like, Tireless Tracker has potential for synergy. Tarmogoyf's just a generically good card. I don't know. Like, a two-mana a two mana five six. I most things in like an aggro deck, I'd rather have that than a three mana three two with stuff. The biggest thing I see about Tyler's Tracker that I like, I don't even count its body. It just makes all your lands draw a card. Expensive, oh, expensively, but like when every land is uh, a redraw, that's what I see is really strong. And your fetch lands are two redraws. Well, the player agrees with me and not you. So suck it. That's true. <laughs> Tiebreaker is the deck. <laughs> yep. And the deck definitely <laughs> does favor. Um, now, just to bring back an old argument, this was from like a couple months ago, I think. There's four Tarmogoyfs and only one Pyrite spell bomb. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Try to tell me the fucking spell bombs are better than Goyf. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that or I not. I do. <laughs> I do. Trying to convince you that the, the, because they get, they draw a card. I'm just saying. Yeah. Tarmogoyf just. Beats fucking face. It does not. It yeah. If it doesn't get answered, well, yeah, but that's literally every card. That is every creature, but it's so easy to answer. So is like almost every other efficient creature. Yes, but I, so I'm looking at so um, things like well, DRC does provide takes effort to provide advantage, but it's almost always mana neutral or mana uh, mana disadvantage if they're killing it. And to be fair, Tarmogoyf is actually harder to kill than DRC or Ragavan. That is true. The Bird. biggest removal spell in modern is lightning bolt, and most of the time when you're casting, they don't have unholy heat. They have unholy heat. I know, but I'm talking they in in their own deck. They do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would what I would say there to to rebut that a little bit is most of modern is prepared to remove Merktide. and so either high damage removal or destroy creature based removal is much more prevalent than damage based removal. I've got some facts to fact check you. Uh huh. Lightning Bolt is in 56% of decks. Oh, Unholy yeah. Heat's in 22%. Yep. That's what I'm talking about. Like, to me, like, and then the other stuff's not even on the list. Like, Lightning Bolt is in 56% of decks, mm -hmm. and Tarmogoyf almost never dies to Lightning Bolt. It yeah, is true. To me, it is legitimately harder to kill than a DRC. Or it a is. Oh, no. It is, that is a fact. It is just yeah. It is just harder to kill than a but DRC. But to be fair, it does cost one more, so it should be harder to kill. It should. Um, but it, uh, whereas uh, it doesn't and, provide any, it doesn't ETV do a thing. And remember, I'm not comparing Tarmogoyf to either Ragavan or DRC. We're Both of those cards are better than Tarmogoyf. Mm -hmm. I'm not making that argument. We're yeah. comparing it to Tyler's Tractor. Yeah, we're we're, Which, we're just to me, uh, it's just whether or not it's a decent card. Because the the this tangent started with Tarmogoyf beats face, and you said no, it doesn't. I'm like Tarmogoyf's been beating fucking face for ten years. It did take a, it did take it several did. years off. Well, Fatal Push <laughs> fucked it up, but yeah, Fatal Push isn't the. To it's me, not played nearly as often. And part of that is because of the fucking elementals. Mm -hmm. Like, Fatal Push, like, it's a meta call now. So where mm -hmm. you, like, Tarmogoyf's really great in a meta that, in my opinion, does have damage-based removal, which is primarily Lightning Bolt. Unholy, Unholy Heat is a very real card. I'm not denying that at all mm -hmm. either. Which most of the time kills a Tarmogoyf. Like, 95% yeah, of the time. Yeah, not kills, always, but most. Like, that you would be casting it. Like, I'm talking about when it deals six. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it doesn't kill it when it does two. Like, no, that's not gonna probably because you fetched and then it doesn't kill it. Yep. So, yep. Well, um, you have to. It counts it. It tracks the damage. So, like, if you fetch and cast a Tarmogoyf and they unholy heat it for two, it it will live. It sees 
it, it sees the thing hit the grave. Yep. So as it resolves, the damage happens as it resolves. It's resolved in the graveyard. So so now it gets a plus one, plus one. Tarm, yeah, well, Tarmogoyf won't die until state-based check, uh, effects are checked. Yep. And the card and is resolved point, the card, at that point. It's yep. resolved. Okay. So it now has three toughness because it starts with a base toughness of okay. one. Uh, that it's one of the little trick questions people get modern newbies with because people do that with Lightning Bolt a lot. Yep. So will Lightning Bolt kill a, a 2-3 Tarmogoyf with no instance in the graveyard? And the answer is no. Yep. Well, that's it does, the it does the same thing. The one I see in Legacy a lot is if I kill a rest in peace, does my card go to the graveyard? Right. And, and that I, one, yes, it does because no, it wouldn't. Or, no, no sorry. it wouldn't. I misunderstood. The yeah. card is exiled. Yeah, because it has it, to hit the graveyard before it resolves. Yes, and it and, and cards, it, the replacement effect will take place. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Well, it checks the the last known state of the game. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I got you. Um, but yeah, the uh, so it's a subtly different scenario, but it's along the same lines. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's. Most most of the time, unholy heat's still gonna kill your goyf. Yeah, when people are because it's not hard to turn unholy heat on. It's the point of the deck if you're running unholy heat. And the biggest thing is, it's not hard to turn it on, and delirium is in in a sense faster than goyf. Yeah. So when you get to four, goyf would be at five. So when there's four card types in your grave, now obviously you're not counting mm-hmm. delirium counts yours and not your opponents. Yep. But like so you, if we're but thinking on that least, axis, there would need to be at least two more in all right. in all graveyards, and you don't get to double up on anything in yours. Like right. the big ones you're looking at are going to be instant sorcery, artifact land, yeah, because or Goyf, creature land probably. Since Goyf counts your opponents, yeah, that's where it gets big quickly. Yep. So most of the time, your unholy heat's going to be faster, so to speak, mm-hmm. than your Goyf. Yeah, because you would need a artifact and a planeswalker to keep it yeah safe, which is hard. Yep. It's not impossible, but it's fucking... Yeah, especially with... The, I mean, a this six, deck... A 6-7 Goyf is difficult. Yeah, well, in this deck, it's not even that far out of the question because you've got Bobbles, you've got Spell yeah. Bombs, and you've got Planeswalker. It is definitely it is definitely doable. Need to get one of those... Uh, For a while, people were trying to make Goyf as good as possible, and there was a, a Shock that was a Tribal spell. I can't... It was a Goblin one. So you could do Tribal in there as well? Yep. Just to try and make it a 7-8 a or an 8-9? Yeah. Or just yeah. more effectively a 5... More... Often a five six. Yeah, more reliably big yeah. enough. Yep. Um uh, planeswalkers, you've got four red and six and a grist. Your spells, you've got a very jun mana base or a very jun spell base here. So terminates K command. Uh well, terminate and K command, but heat, thought seize, inquisition, fatal push, a bunch of removal, bunch of hand disruption. The artifacts is kind of where it gets a little interesting. You've got Mishra's Bobble, Mishra's research desk. So good. So here's the thing. Sort of good ways to turn on your uh, your Tarmogoyf, except the Mishra's research desk is one of its key aspects is it's coming out of the graveyard with mm-hmm. Unearth. So, yep. sort of. But you also have Nihil Spellbomb and Pyrite Spellbomb um, to just help fill that uh, fill that slot. And then you have the Shadow Spear that goes with, of course, your Urza Saga. Because if you're going to be running a kind of shitty Jund deck, which, by the way, this is a Jund deck. This isn't four-color aggro, of course. This is a Jund deck. Of uh, course. You should be running. Well, Earth it's got Saga. two Orvar, so now we can't categorize yeah, the deck. Has correctly. to be four color. Yeah. yeah, this. Yeah, this is Tarmogoyf Jund. This is and like uh, really similar to kind of old Jund. You've got obviously your uh, several creature upgrades going on here, but yeah, like you're running Ren and Six instead of Liliana, which is a huge upgrade. A huge upgrade. You're running, uh, you know, DRC and Ragavan, but you like you've got Goyf and Tracker. You have a similar spell suite. Unholy Heat's obviously a big pickup, but a similar spell suite, and then just some better artifacts. Now, the big question to me, and this is where I would actually speak out against Goyf, which is uh, pretty rare for me. <laughs> if you look at this list, now obviously there's some card changes, but what does green... So compare this list to Red Black Scam. Now, again, the card 
selections themselves are different. But Green is buying you Goyf and Renensex. And Tracker. And Tracker, but like you wouldn't go to Green yeah. for Tracker. It seems way fucking worse than Double Thought Seas turn one with a 3-2. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Yep. So like that is where I go, is Goyf that good? Yep. Like you're working so hard to make Jund good. And like is Scam just better? Right. And to be fair, got second place. Yeah. So like clearly it's doing something right. Yeah. But like I look at that and I go, I'd probably rather just be on scam. Like I like Goyf. I have like, you know, a little bit of like nostalgia for Goyf. But fuck, man. He's not that he's not better than grief. He's not better than well, grief <laughs> undying. Right. Yeah, a grief with undying. Or a uh a fury with undying. Right. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Like yeah, this deck, this deck is is uh is falling for the classic trap of not running enough MH2 cards. Yeah, pretty much. It's not MH2 tribal, and it's, now to be fair, it did well with it. It did very well. It did very well. So maybe there is a spot for Jund, but yeah. like, man, that's that is commitment to the bit, so yeah. to speak. Yep. <laughs> like I'm gonna run the same colors with worse cards. Probably worse cards. <laughs> And still made it happen. So, Cantor yeah. Gianni, well done. Third place, uh, we got Omnath Risen Reef back to make some stuff happen. This is the one with Elish Norn we saw a little bit ago that I made fun of. And then as we as I was making fun of it and we discussed it, came to realize that it's actually really good and hard to kill. It is a five mana four seven that is probably pretty hard to resolve. But when it hits, it's very difficult to fucking deal with. Yeah. Um, and you do get Eldamri's calls to basically get some extra copies of Elish Norn when it matters. And that, that to me is a perfect example of how to cast this card. Like having one in your deck with some tutors is like. Yeah. So you're not bogging yourself down with extra copies that are just bad most of the time. Yeah. And then when it's great, you just go get it. Well, especially you really don't want extra copies because like we just talked about. Elish Norn's really fucking hard to kill. It is. So like, what do you want extra copies in your deck for? Yep. Once she's down, she's probably going to stick around. She's probably going to stick around. And you're probably going to get so much advantage. If you can if you can take advantage of it, it it's game ending very quickly. Yeah. And ways you're taking advantage of it with things like Risen Reef, Ice Fang Coatl, Seasoned Pyromancer, fucking Oath of Nyssa, Leyline Binding. Like all of these things are just so aggressive. Uh, it was such a, it was such amazing ETBs taking advantage of Elish Norn. Fury Solitude. I mean, come on. Like even if you if you literally go like, well, I'm going to cash Elish Norn and then I'm going to Fury and deal four damage, four damage. Mm-hmm. Like, or it, would, it might be like two damage, two damage, two damage, two damage. Yeah. Board wipe. Yep. Um, yeah, eight planeswalkers, Ren and Six and Teferi. Uh, the this the oaths to find those planeswalkers make them a little easier to cast, but get some good ETB tribal out of them. The one leyline binding probably. I was just thinking about that whether I'd rather like I'm looking at it, I'm like man, an probably. oath of Nissa with an Elish Norn out is fucking strong. It is. I but think leyline binding stronger. Yeah, I like the two two split maybe. But the, but the difference is like you are looking at a turn one play versus a turn yeah. two or three play. Like versus and anyway, the payoff is a turn six play. Yeah. So that definitely matters there too. Um But I mean Othanissa, I mean, we just cantripping, which effectively it does, uh-huh, is just one yep. of the best things to be doing in magic. It Paying is. one and looking at three cards and grabbing even if they're I mean, you got three card types there. Yep. Land well, creature and planeswalker. That and gets most of your shit. Very noticeably, it also does it does pair very well with binding, where looking at the top three, finding the right triumph or the right mm-hmm. dual land to go with your to turn your leyline binding on for next turn, or even this, if it's turn two, even this turn. So, very good synergies there. I'm so glad we don't have 80 card decks anymore. <laughs> I know, it makes it a little easier to go through them. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, and then the sideboard has a, a bunch of one-ofs kind of all over the place, but like a lot of um, flexibility, like Fury. But again, a lot of ETBs as well. So like Fury, you know, Obsidian, Charmall. Atraxa. <laughs> Atraxa is pretty good. I have seen it. Atraxa with Elish Norn is pretty fucking gross. <laughs> yep. I think you can find some good cards in the top 20. Pretty sure. Probably can. Even if I only get three or four of them. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, if Elf starts running Elish Norn to make Atraxa better, now you got me. Um, but yeah, the, a bunch of lands, all of them one ofs because you're playing all of the all the land types you have to do to, to make uh, Leyland Binding work. Um, all right. Next up, fourth place. I'm trying to go a little fast because it's already late and we have to do Patreon content still. I shouldn't say have to. We get to do Patreon content, but I'm kind of tired. Um, we've got that uh, Ragavan deck that rounds out with the, with the Underworld Breach package. Two remand, by the way. Really excited for that new one in a white remand had a, coming out of Lord of the Rings. That's a cool. Yeah. That's a cool spell that I'm kind of excited to tinker around with. I don't know if it's legacy powerful or not, but it's it looks cool. I like the color shift there. And but, there is a subtle difference. So remand is counter target spell. If the spell was countered, put it into the hand instead of that player's graveyard. Uh, oh. The other one is just. Put it on, Put yeah. It you can hit uncounterable spells, Correct. which is very relevant. Yes. Very relevant. Oh. Um, the, uh, oh, I just had a thought um, about when we were talking about um, Tyrannus Rex over Atraxa that makes Tyrannus Rex better. You can much more easily cast Tyrannus Rex. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like... It's Infinitely basically... easier to cast. Oh, yeah, for sure. You um, don't need the Birchler Rangers. Anyway, sorry, guys. <laughs> Uh, this is we've seen this list last couple of weeks popping up. This DRC Ragavan Legislator list that has just like good value cards, good value creatures, and then has this really sweet Underworld Breach package to wrap it up at the end. Just to like in the mid to late game, just either draw a shit ton of cards or I mean bolt your opponent three times. Like uh, when you when you pair Underworld Breach with one DRC, it gets pretty good. Can you imagine having two DRCs? Like and just being able to like cast the same spell five fucking times. Mm-hmm. Like it's insane. So, uh, really, a really strong package, and like it's it, it's surprising to me that it took people so long to kind of re-break Underworld Breach in just a super value way. Like, obviously, there's tons of decks that like the game is over, but there's also a lot of decks where like Underworld Breach is just one of the most high value plays you can make when you have good one mana spells or zero mana spells in your graveyard. Yeah, the funny thing is we actually see more of the value play in yeah. modern than obviously Legacy. It's irrelevant. We saw what did uh-huh, Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, like I remember like, seeing it at a uh, at a modern FNM, and what really keyed me into it was the dude was like, "Well, I don't have anything else to do, so I'm gonna play Underworld Breach and cast this Bobble four times, mm-hmm. and then draw four cards." And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like we've been trading one for one back and forth a little bit." He's playing like it was either a Mono Red or a Boros, whatever kind of yeah. aggroy prowess deck, <laughs> and I've been like killing all his shit, and then he just drew four fucking cards, and I'm like, "How do I beat this?" Right. In what world do I come back from this? Because I like I was I think I was playing Archon and like I can't I'm just not ready to get my Archon out yet and I've been getting beat to death while I'm doing prismatic ending and solitudes and then he just goes Drums. up off four cards on me. Yep. Oh great. I yeah I can't beat that. Yeah. So, yeah. The value Underworld Breach is so strong and it's taken a little while for it to percolate. It's kind of like the <laughs> expressive iteration where. It took a long time for expressive iteration to kind of percolate into how fucking good it is. And then once people caught on, boom, it was everywhere. I do credit myself with him seeing that card and going, holy shit, immediately. Yep. Uh, that was one I got right. Yep. That's how I feel whenever I see DRC and I'm like, man, I fucking called that one. Called that one. I'm not, I'm not right all the time, but once in a blue moon, I get some wood on the ball. Uh, put me in the sideboard, pretty standard sideboard, some uh, graveyard hate, blood moon, some more counter spells. Nothing crazy going on. Just a nice wide array of answers. 
Um, up next, Mono Green Tron. So we've been seeing bouncing around a lot between uh, Colorless Tron, Mono Green Tron. Uh, our biggest pickups are those Cityscape Levelers, just that eight mana Nuka thing on ETB with Unearth. And ETB and Attack, which is, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, on Cast and Attack. Yeah, subtle but, difference. Yeah, just, you know, getting to uh, Karn, Karn the Great Creator something, or not Karn, uh, Karn Liberated something attached to an 8-8 is pretty fucking strong. Yep. Other than that, though, nothing really interesting going on in the main board of this. Your sideboard is your pretty typical Karn, uh, four mana Karn wish package. Yeah, I'm I'm personally pretty happy to see Tron playable again. Yeah. It was out of the meta for a, a long time. It, it really rode the waves of, like, everyone wants it banned because it's way too fucking good. It got power crept out to be completely unplayable and has now kind of clawed its way back into being... A respectable deck. Yeah, and the funny thing is the lists haven't really changed all that much. No, I think the... the People have wised up to Karn the Great Creator. Yeah. And I think... But, like, he was... Karn the Great Creator was legal while while Tron's, quote-unquote, sucked. I think your wish packages have gotten way better. The Stone Brain, um, Haywire Might... uh, What was the other one I was thinking of? Um, What was I fucking thinking of? It's not in here, I guess. I was thinking of something different, but yeah, like you got you've got some real you've gotten some some better like silver bullets in your wish board that really help it quite a bit. Yeah, but yeah, it the main board is still relatively stock, and it just got it just really came back and started fucking beating face. Oh, hooray! Hooray! Sixth place, Azorius Hammer Time. What the fuck is this? It won't even pull a picture up. Which one? Kemba. Oh, there we go. Kemba Ka Enduring. So I guess I'll read the deck first. So uh, Azorius Hammer Time, usually with the Azorius, we're picking up literally one or two cards, the Reality Chip and Spell Pierce. That's exactly what we're getting here. A few sideboard cards as well, like yeah, Mana it's League, all the stuff we've seen Lavinia, before. Very stock stuff. Um, this is uh, Memnite and Ornithopter, a split. So we've got one and two. So a total of three zero mana creatures. Um, I do, they are and on my side where they think Ornithopter is better. So we have two Ornithopter, one Memnite. Uh, most of the main board is pretty stock. All the way through the tutor package, through the enchantments, except this Kemba Ka Enduring. So one and a white for a 2-2. Whenever Kemba Ka Enduring or another cat enters the battlefield under your control, attach up to one target equipment you control to that creature, and equipped creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And it is a place to dump mana, pay three white, white to make a 2-2 cat. So just another bad Pure Steel Paladin? Basically, just another not, way to get a, a hammer on yeah, a creature. A backup plan for the hammers out, like, did it to that creature? Yeah, it is that creature. But, yep, another way, like, if you have the hammer out, if they've answered your first issue, your first problem, I mean, like, I, I'm going to spend two mana on a 12-12. That's pretty pretty strong. Yeah. Actually, a 13-13, because equipped creatures get plus one, plus one. Yeah. So, oh. not to mention the other synergies between, like, um, Shadow Spear or Nettle Cyst, like, just some other, or, or Cauldra. A great way to take advantage of a cauldra where like you stone forge for the cauldra, you get the cauldra down, they prismatic ending or they solitude the token. It's like, okay, I'm just gonna play my Kemba and now it's a seven is it plus five? Effectively an eight eight. Yeah. An eight eight with was it I think haste, trample, all the all the keywords. Trample and indestructible haste and uh, whenever deals combat damage to a creature, exile that creature. (laughs) Yeah, a great way to take extra advantage of a um cauldra complete. So A, a really interesting pickup. <clears throat> um, if, as long as there's room in the deck for it, a really interesting pickup. And that basically it looks like you've lost a couple of Memnite slots for it. Don't know if that's where you want to be, 
but and worth it's, testing. It's kind of one of those trading power for consistency arguments that we make all the time. Yep. <clears throat> like Kemba is better is a better top deck. Like if you're yeah. just sitting, like if you get kind of blown out and you're sitting with uh-huh. a hammer just sitting around, Kemba's a much better top yep. deck. And can you imagine if you have a couple hammers, mm-hmm. like in that mid Pop. to late game, just keep making whenever more cats. It ETBs or no, I think it's one ETBs. Is it okay? Gotcha. But you can dump mana into it to make more cats. Yeah. So the cats ETBing grab shit. Yep. And so you can just be like, play the Kemba. And what's what's really cool, and what you should be doing is you play the can. Let's say you play the Kemba, uh, whatever. Next turn. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna attack. Oh, you blocked whatever you chumped. I'm gonna make a cat, and I'm gonna put the hammer on that. So now your target. Now you. Now do you kill my Kemba, or do you kill the thirteen thirteen? You have to, or the right. fourteen fourteen. It's like just keep moving that off of that Kemba. Go deal with this shit over here. While I make more tokens. While I keep. Yeah. While my. Do you kill my token factory, or do you kill the thing that's gonna beat you to death next turn? Mm-hmm. There's just that's a no win scenario. I'm so used to the. The current templating of these stuff, where it's whenever it ETBs or, or attacks, attacks yeah. I just kind of assumed that it you got both, <laughs> yeah, because no. that's way cards are now. Is nope. whenever they ETB or attack, they do their thing. This one, you only get one. You Matt. only get. But a- again, so like that's an example of like that was already a good card. A two mana two two the ETBs gets an equipment and buffs anything equipped. It also is a mana sink that makes two twos. Yep. Like this, give it's it good one more line. Every of text. point in the game. Yep. Give it one more line. Is it early? It's a two mana two two. That's on curve. Uh, is it the middle of the game where you got some equipped stuff? Make it a little bit bigger. Maybe you have an extra equipment. Throw it on this. Is it the end of the game where you got tons of mana? Make some tutus. Now, this isn't a de- desirable scenario because you kind of want to be a little trickier than this, but it even curves out. Turn one, Colossal Hammer. Turn two. You sure could. I mean, that like, makes... If that, that's that's the floor. That makes card, a lot basically. of unkeepable hands okay. Yeah. We're when, just like, well, I have a I have a game plan with yep. this. I'm on turn two. I'm yeah. gonna make it fucking. I mean, there's lots of decks where like I'm not worried about interaction. Thirteen, thirteen. I'm not worried about playing around interaction. I'm just worried about beating you as fast as beating you to death as fast as I can. And the fastest clock a deck like this can provide is well, I guess the fastest is like attacking on turn yeah. two. But att- attacking <laughs> on turn three is pretty fucking good for twelve or thirteen. Right. Like that's what I mean. That's base. I mean, the floor of this is just it's a two-two when it does and it does yeah. nothing. But like the realistic floor of this, given the way the deck is built, is it comes in and just makes gets fucking ginormous and attacks next turn. Uh huh. That's a pretty reasonable floor. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a really really slick synergy to be taking advantage of. And then the sideboard, nothing crazy going on in here. The coolest thing is like March of Otherworldly Light, a card that I love and doesn't see as much play because it is always a mana disadvantage. But I think one being at instant speed is or a huge or card disadvantage, or yeah, or card disadvantage, and but the ability to tran to tra- to turn extra cards into, especially when you're like a tempo or aggressive style deck where cards don't matter. I'm not here to grind you to death. I'm here to kill you, and being able to be like, I don't give a shit. Like, doesn't matter how many cards you have in your hand, you're dead. Right. Kill that. Take thirteen. You're dead. <clears throat> All right, let's wrap this up. Seventh place. Is it Merktide? Um, it looks exactly like an isn't Merktide list, except they have one season Pyromancer in it. So only two DRC, making room for a Brazen Borrower and a season Pyromancer. Only two Merktide, which I maintain like it's one of those things like this like the secret's out. Like Merk every deck is prepared to handle the Merktide, and so you shouldn't make your entire plan A a Merktide, which is kind of interesting because when you kind of go into it with that strategy of like, well, my plan A can't just be Merktide. They get answered too easily. We go down on Merktide and DRC, because DRC isn't that great unless it's powering out a Merktide, in my opinion. Your spell suite is the same it is every single week. Uh, oh, look, expressive iteration. Uh, but heat, cold, counterspell, 
We do still have Spell Snare in Modern. We still have a special iteration. Consider Bolt, uh, Bobble, Dress Down. Uh, nothing, nothing particularly noteworthy that I see in the Mainer side. Yeah, nothing new. The, the Thieving Skydiver's cool. I did see that. I did briefly see <clears> that. It's an interesting card that never did anything. It's just, yeah. again, it's just two mana inefficient. Um, but it is an it is a it is a cool card with a cool design. I do like that kind of X kicker to steal something. It's just it's, it's a fun EDH card. Oh yeah, it's very good in EDH. The, uh, the ability to pay an extra man to steal a soul ring. Ooh, so good. I've got that's why there's I have one copy of it and it's in my Yuriko deck. Yep. It's just a flying man. Oh, it's that perfect. Yeah. Can steal a soul ring. Wrapping it up, eighth place. Indomitable creativity. Actually, eighth, ninth, and tenth are creativity. But um, uh, nothing that you don't expect in creativity. Four Leyline Binding, four Fables, three Archons, um, four Ren and Six, two Teferi, bunch of ways to make artifacts or little to creature tokens, some interaction, and then an extra Transmogrify to bring it home. Okay, metagame summary. Indominal Creativity, 15.5%, five decks in total. Merktide Regent, 12.5% with four. Rakdos Midrange, probably Rakdos Scams, going to be four. Uh, Hammer Time with three, Crashing Footballs with three, Omnath with three, and then we're down to twos and ones, or uh, or down to just ones. We have one other. Like, that's just whatever. Definitely a little more stacked at the top this week, where like we've got a five, four, four, three, three, three. Um, that's very wide at the top this week for modern, and the metagame and the and the top eight was also very wide, very diverse in the top eight. Most played cards: Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Fury, Renin Six, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Uh, top creatures, Ragavan, Fury, Seasoned Pyromancer, Esper, Sentinel, Archon of Cruelty. God, I love Archon of Cruelty. And top spells, Lightning Bolt, Renin Six, Fable the Mirror Breaker, Spell Pierce, Expressive Iteration. Matt, not leaving any room for anything else. There's only one thing I want to say. God damn it. It's not going to take long. Legacy and Modern, depending on how you count them, they're within one of archetypes in their top 32. That's like the... That's, That's pretty, pretty sweet. fucking rare. They each had 16 different archetypes. That's pretty insane. And Modern was actually more top-heavy than Legacy was. It was. Yeah, Legacy was very, very widespread this week, so yeah. super happy to see that. Um, but we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, we were looking at... But what about our third topic? <laughs> probably we got to get four hours long. Pro 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 probably two and a half hour episode. <laughs> we are going to head over to record some Discord... Discord... Or Discord. Patreon-only content. So if you guys want to get access to that Patreon-only content, head over to patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Hop in the Patreon. Hop in the Discord. Uh, you'll get some extra content from us every single week. You get access to some sweet merch. You get access to our private Discord where you get to talk to us um, whenever you want. You basically have a direct communication to our pockets. Uh, we're still trying to organize a play league. Um, we were supposed to do it this weekend, and I just didn't have time. I was – or last weekend, I, I had too much stuff going on. But – you know, we're trying to get some online games going, play some, and I mean literally like like Pioneer, Modern, Legacy, EDH, we'll play. We're trying to play anything. So hop in the uh, Patreon. If you want to reach out to us, it is cantripcartel at gmail.com or cantripcartel literally anywhere else. Matt, am I forgetting anything? The only thing I want to say is uh, they're starting to track this now. Uh, so if you could follow us on Spotify. Follow yes, us please. and give us a rating. That'd be great. Give us an honest rating. Like we always say, you don't have to yeah, give us... I'm, I'm not going to ask for a perfect score, but if you like us, give us a rating and follow us on Spotify. Um, the only thing I would say is, like, if you get... like, so I saw someone, uh, it was it was many months ago, but he gave a four-star rating and he said, um, I'm giving four stars because they talk about banning Delver too much and I don't like that. That's perfect. Like, I get that it, we're not five stars for you. If you let us know why, that's super cool. I'm not saying it'll change the show, but it could. 
Like, it, like if you have a complaint about what you do or don't like, it could it could make a change. Could be. But, but I like honestly, honest reviews and why. If you're gonna give two stars, just say why. I'm curious. I'm legitimately curious why you give two stars. So, yes, would greatly appreciate that, guys. But if that's all you've got, Matt, then I think we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. Okay, so I've made some changes to the the Simic Rot Priest deck. Um, thankfully, I'm on the play. I'm gonna go uh, Botanical Sanctum and play a Elvish Mystic. Yes, I concede. Fucking fact. You don't even know where the changes are now. <laughs> Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken match, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting ale, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queer and rangers cross the sylvan libraries, where the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorry. Mounds, Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus shepherd danced on dinosaurs, stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, thou sincerum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Strong cards with the Cantrip Cartel.